is a political philosophy which has brought about the state of Israel, the so-called state of Israel. This, this political philosophy has nothing to do with religion. On the contrary, it seeks to confuse others and let them think that Zionism and Judaism is one and the same. I am a conscious African. I know properly my history. I know that Africa gave Judaism to the world. I know that the first Jews in the world were Africans. Not only do I know this, but I inform everyone who has doubts about it to read a book by Sigmund Freud entitled Moses and Monotheism as a beginning. Consequently, I know that Judaism and Zionism are not the same. Zionism had its first organizational expressions in 1897 in Bath, Switzerland, in Europe. Here was a man by the name of Theodor Herzl, H-E-R-Z-L. He was the founder of Zionism. He said that he was going to find the state that God promised the Jews. Listen to this very carefully. This man, Herzl, was an atheist. He believed that there was no God. He said God did not exist. Now, how is it that the man who believes that God does not exist is going to find a state that God promised to his chosen people? I'm telling you, this man is Satan in disguise. Zionism is a satanic movement. It is devil. It is imperialism. It is racist. It has gone and taken the lands of the Palestinian people and through terrorism has driven them out. And through terrorism, it maintains its power. And the United States of America, with over six million homeless, sends to Israel billions and billions and billions of dollars everywhere to bomb Palestinian people while homeless people are here and unemployed are here. Zionism is going to raise this war and make the people of America become clear to what it is and become anti-Zionist and stop the aid to Israel and use the money to take care of the homeless in this country. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, February 24th, 2024. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, today's show is definitely going to ruffle some feathers. And it's important to start out right on this show today and just acknowledge how contentious this topic truly is, which you know what we do on this platform in general. And I, I pride myself on one being very objective to a fault to pride myself on seeking the truth, no matter where that leads. And then having the courage to be able to present that information, regardless of whether the humanity at large is ready for it. And I've bumped up against that wall my entire career in this, whether that was the COVID-19 conversation or, you know, even some things from a lot further back. But this is one of those conversations that, you know, I myself was hesitant in this this level of the conversation a while back in my development through all of this. And I mean, I've gone through lots of ups and downs and what I thought was true. And everybody knows anybody who's been through this, you know, in this work long enough knows how rapidly things can evolve, you know, and, and you know, you, the best you can do is stay consistent with what you believe and what you think you can prove. My point in saying that is that this topic has been something that has evolved for a lot of people very rapidly since October 7th. And really what that means is you've just, in my opinion, become rapidly aware of things that have been suppressed, to have been, that have been lied about, manipulated, and only now has something shifted in such a way that it allows certain people to be open to certain things they weren't before, or rather see it through a lens that makes it appear as something that's able to be seen as opposed to be reflexively dismissed because I'm taught not to look at these things. But I want to go through this extensively today in a lot of different angles. 
the obvious overlap that's get, get garnering a lot of attention, which, which good. We should not shy away from asking any questions, regardless of the perceived sensitivity of them, if we genuinely think there's something of importance there. And this is a topic that's been garnering attention around the connection of Zionism and Nazism, or really that specifically. That's the core point in, in, in not just this show, but overall what's been discussed recently, but more broadly just fascism or extremism, and really specifically about Zionism and its connections to these things, and through the state of Israel, Zion, Zionists' connection to these different things we'll discuss today. Now, the state of Israel, there's things I want to point out to begin today. It's important to realize the state of Israel is not the state of Jews. That's what has been presented. You may perceive it that way, and you can decide that I'm wrong, but to understand that there's a large portion, I'm beginning to think more and more the majority, or at least I hope that's, I begin to see that being a possibility today of Jews in the world do not see it that way. At least a lot of, of prominent Jewish organizations will happily sit there and tell you all day long why Zionism is not Judaism, while they actually are offended by the effort to broadcast to the world that they represent all Judaism or all Jews, whether or not they believe in Israel or Zionism. It's to understand that these are not the same thing. Now, you can agree with that you may think their intentions are genuine, but that in and of itself is a little bit of a, that's an uneven, it seems dishonest to me. Let's put it that way. Very simply, you can't pretend you represent everybody in the world when clearly there are groups that don't believe that. So it's important to see, and we'll go through this in the foundations of Zionism as we've done a lot in, in what it really stems from. And as you played that opening clip there, that it ultimately is not the foundations of Zionism have nothing to do with religion in and of itself or Judaism specifically. But the flag that you're used to seeing around Israel, that's not a Jewish symbol. That is the, in the context of the state of Israel, the star of David was what was chosen and this, the flag of, for Israel by the Zionist creation. And as Avi points, states it, the territorial dimensions of Zionism and its first creation. Now, of course, just be, you may be a Jewish person and you may adopt that because of the state of Israel. And that's your, my point being is from a state, a, a level of, of a statehood or rather just the, the concept of these authority figures, the flag is not necessarily something that any Jew in the world would identify with being Jewish. That's an important point to realize, because as we talk about this, and in any other show we've discussed, there are things being conflated, where somebody can point to the Israeli flag and, and compare it to a Nazi flag, and that gets called racist. Now, maybe you think that, maybe you internally are seeing it that way, but how do you know what I think? Isn't it possible that I'm talking about the state of Israel and comparing it to the German state under Nazi rule? Of course it is. And in fact, that's predominantly what's actually being discussed. And we can prove this with from the river to the sea or just Palestine shall be free or free Palestine. These things, as I think the ADL just did another push claiming 900% anti-Semitism is spiked when in reality it is simply every time anyone anywhere has said free Palestine or the river to the sea, even though you can show how the river to the sea is a statement that's used all over Israeli talking points. Every propagandist you'll see out there will proudly state that it's for crying out loud in the founding document of the Likud party. And yet we don't talk about, it's just, it's obvious. There's, there's an obvious game being played. Now I don't want to go too far into it now because there's a long show we're going to get into, but one, just that point in general with the flag itself or any other topics we're going to get into, like the image today, you can make that out to be what you want it to be to serve your agenda, to frame what I'm doing the way that you like it. But I'm telling you, 
this the flag we're being discussed that, that we're framing today on the show's title or image and how we're discussing it is about the state of Israel. And so too is everything we're discussing today, the government of Israel and the Zionist political party that is leading it. Now you can decide to frame what I'm saying some other way, but just hear me again, that is not what's actually happening. And that's only for the new people. All of you knowing, watching this show know that I'm adamant about following up on the truth and not being mired in the political back and forth of the two-party paradigm. Now, everything we're going to discuss today, and as always, if I get into an area where I'm giving you my thoughts about where it leads or conclusions about what might have happened, I'm very, I'm always expressing that. But everything we're going to discuss is provable. Documents coming from corporate media, from historical archives, directly from the Israeli government, from Zionist groups when they were publicly stating these things, and I will list it all below, as always. So the point is, it's all provable information. Now, you could debate whether that in and of itself could be, you know, my point is, this is documentation that you can look at for yourself that stems back to things that are literally indisputed, undisputed by from, from any perspective, including Israel's. Now, of course, even people that I you know, that are that respect my work and whether it's around foreign policy or COVID-19, this topic is contentious. And even some of those people may not, may think, think, well, Ryan's kind of losing it on this. Maybe he's being pulled into the conspiracy circle. I just want to be very clear again, that it's not about leaning into some kind of narrative. These are points that I believe are provable. And I would not open the show or frame it with the title I did and get into this without thinking or knowing rather that these things are provable talking points that are absolutely indisputable. That again, the, 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 numer the tangential information around it, that's up for you to decide. But it's important to realize that this is not some conspiratorial topic. The connections between Israelis, the Zionist founding or, or origins of Israel to the Nazi party are indisputable. It's provable, factual information that you can literally look up on Wikipedia. Again, as I always say, that is not a suggest. That doesn't mean Wikipedia means it's true. Quite the opposite, in fact. But it does mean mass adoption. So the point is to show you that it's not a disputable talking point to show you that Zionists were trying to align themselves with Nazi Germany. And there's a whole conversation to get into there. And then from that, talk about how you can prove Israel, the Israeli government, the Zionist aspects of it, continually have done this throughout their history. Alignment with groups like the ISIS or, or Middle East uh, terrorist groups like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Charles Sham, and all these different kind of fascist or extremist elements that we can prove are being, or as we'll make a big point today, the Azov movement. And how interestingly that ties directly back to Mossad agents that were caught in the past working for the ADL and literally faking Nazi marches. Weirdly, like we're seeing today, in my opinion, my point in that is these are provable, documented historical facts. And I'll prove to you that through the information we have, that's actually what happened. Same group we're talking about today and the same group that's gaslighting around another group that's weirdly tied specifically to the same kind of ideology. There's a big story here that people are finally finding the courage to talk about. And one more point I'll make on that same point there, the same the overlap, Azov and so on. I mean, you guys know my opinions of of certain people, and specifically somebody like Laura Loomer. That's not even a point I say that to start in this point is not to say that it's about my feelings or lack their lack of respect for somebody like that, but it's rather specifically about that topic and how it got sort of hijacked by people who you're right now very clearly seeing are blindly following Zionist talking points. And I think that's why. I actually think that's why that happened before this. 
because there's an important story, a huge story that you know we've been covering about the Azov movement that ties all the way back to the CIA and actual Nazi war criminals that are also directly tied back to the Israeli government. And there's a huge story that wraps all this together. Now, we'll try to put it all in a show where you guys can break it all down and put it together, but it's a topic that is difficult to encapsulate even in a long show. Now, two other things I wanted to say is that I know you guys know that I care about the truth and I will, well, I I already kind of said this, but that ultimately, no matter what, I'm going to follow it. And that may end up being a detriment because people aren't ready for some kind of certain levels of information. I also wanted to give a final shout out in general to somebody who has been talking about this a long time and in very contentious ways. And I wanted to say just kind of another point, the last thing I promised, long opening, is that it's interesting that, as I said before, even myself and probably everybody in this topic is sensitive around it. And we all see this, even though we know there's manipulations and you can see why that's happening, how they're using, I mean, even plenty of Jewish people will speak up and tell you how these things are being used, calling anti-Semitism against things that aren't to hide real crimes and so on. But that there are things that are, we're all kind of sensitive around it because we're worried. Some people are worried that you're going to be accused of this and that. And my point is historically in the, my origins and my beginning in doing this work, these, I developed my own ways around all of this, right? You start out, you're not knowledgeable at everything. And these are things that I wasn't, you know, maneuvered around and so on. And somebody like Adam from No More News has been covering this unabashedly without any concern for the, for the pushback for a really long time. But I will point out that there are things that he's expressed in the past that I flatly disagree with. And some things that I just think are a little bit too far this way or that way. But you know what? Again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't come to understand the full breadth of it. But I want to, I don't think that. I think I've personally got the right angle on this, but you guys can decide for yourself. My point in saying that is that credit where credit is due for somebody who's willing to wade into such a contentious topic when you know that nobody, especially going back, go back 10 years ago, nobody in the corporate mainstream, even main independent, is going to give you the time of day because they're afraid to be seen that way. Just like with the COVID conversation, when a lot of us were very far ahead of it, there are people that are only just now standing on top of the pile, acting like they saw the whole thing who were shying away from it. When those of us were hacking down all the hard parts. Anyway, I just thought that was a shout out that deserved to be made. So let's, let's start today and uh, with a couple of quick points, and then we'll bring this into pretty much one flowing long connective point from start to finish. Now I, I, I wanted to make sure that we started, of course, with the most important news happening in the world right now. The most important breaking news anywhere in the world. Oh, weather balloon. Of course, a Chinese weather balloon, because that, guys, that is what we all must be focusing on. I mean, I'm obviously making a joke. I just think it's crazy that this is seemingly consumed a lot of the right-wing media, and it's like, and this is this one's kind of a joke, but this is kind of what you're getting. You know, weather balloon, totally not for spying, like making fun of some Chinese accent, like from South Park conversation. As if, you know, this is a Chinese spy balloon and we all know that, but they're hiding it from you. It's like, you think you got the inside and that's the story they want you talking about, guys. I just think the two-party paradigm, it's my, you know, of course I could be wrong, but come on. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that the first part of this was proven to be an actual balloon that was used for weather from a, from one of these schools that was just capitalized on. Like this is literal opportunist propaganda, as simple as it gets and people are batting it down. I don't know. I just think that's hilarious that this is really what's going on, like the weather balloon story again. Anyway, some important news. Richard, Richard Medhurst points this out. And I do think this is really important. Quick point to make to show you how uh, I mentioned this recently about Yemen and, and the shooting of, of the 
firing on the British ship. Well, he points out that they sunk this British ship, as we said before, but went out of their way, which you will never see Israel, the United States, or, I mean, God, anybody for as far as I can tell, actually do this. They stopped and rescued the entire 24-man crew. They're all safe. The blockade, to date, has killed zero. Now, one person. The United States' response to it killed multiple civilians in Yemen. They haven't even killed a single... It's just mind-blowing to see the difference, the stark contrast between... Even if what you... You could make a fair argument, and I'm beginning to disagree just because of the broader context, but you could make the argument that what they're doing is illegal. But just standing back and looking at the contrast between this supposedly illegal act and the ones fighting for freedom, it's kind of... It's beginning... It's impossible at this point for an honest person to not acknowledge what's truly going on, what's being revealed by action and lack of action. We're not on the good side of all this right now. But that's important. And he says, this is the difference between how they conduct their warfare and how the U.S. and U.K. show up and start killing people. Well said. Now, other important, again, these are just kind of quick points I want to get out there that aren't necessarily connected to the larger point today. But in case you missed it, the United Nations publicly spoke up today, or excuse me, yesterday, posted on their on the UN website, but also posted on Twitter, any transfer of weapons or ammunition to Israel that would be used in Gaza is likely to violate international humanitarian law and must cease immediately. Not pipe. This is a statement must cease. Now, human rights experts warned today, all states must not be complicit in international crimes through arms transfers. Now, let's not pretend this is going to have any impact on what Israel does. I mean, if you, if you think the, the, if they don't be bad an eye at the world court telling them they commit genocide, this isn't going to matter, especially as they're ridiculously just calling the UN Hamas like that makes any sense, like we're in kindergarten level propaganda. But either way, the point is, it's still a powerful statement, not to say that that means to trust the UN or all the things that the party paradigm people will assume to your statements. But it's important regardless whether the UN has any teeth, whether it's going to make any effect at the outcome. It's important because that, it will reach the average person. The average person sitting at home has none of our conversation is going to go, wow, the UN is literally putting its foot down and they're still firing and the US is still arming them. It just makes this interesting divide between what they used to present as some cohesive rules-based international order as they're now pointing at each other and calling these other criminals. It's, it's, it shows you that they've lost control. But that's important because that is the truth, regardless of what you think of the UN. They are complicit. Now, Netanyahu, of course, unveils his day after Hamas plan, which is just a complete insult, exactly like you might expect. And I will be doing more focus on this, the illusion of the two-state solution, a couple of points in a future show. But it's a one-page document. You realize how insulting that is? The entire future of the entire Palestinian people summed up in one page that's actually that actually contains three different short, law, medium, and long-term. One page. I bet you it's three paragraphs. That's insulting. This is how little thought gets put into the future of these people's lives. But that shouldn't surprise you at all. Setting out the proposed actions for all three different scenarios in one page. It reiterates Netanyahu's stance that the IDF will, quote, continue the war until complete destruction of the military capabilities of Hamas, basically. And until its hostages return. Always a secondary point, because those two things are literally diametric opposites. They are not, they're mutually exclusive. The more you continue to bomb after Hamas, the more you will guarantee to kill the people you claim you're saving, especially as you kettle them into one area. They know that. They don't care. Hannibal Directive. The point is simply that this is meant to pretend like they're fighting for those people while they're literally murdering those people. And it says, in the medium term, the prime minister wants Israel to maintain operational freedom of, and, of activity. Okay, so this gets into, let's maintain the illegal occupation of the place we're pretending we're trying to liberate. That's what this really is. 
It's a backward, clumsy, very transparent illusion to just maintain all of this area under a guise that you freed it from somebody. Talk about the same point we always make. Not just doing the bad thing, but doing the bad thing and asking you to be praised for doing it because we're the good guys. That's the worst of the worst. Netanyahu also suggested maintaining a Southern closure of the, so all of it amounts to actual, not just the continual occupation like it's always been, even post 2005, but now once again, actual boots on the ground within Gaza, which either way, it's always been occupied according to anybody in international law, but this just makes it actual specific on the ground. And I'll show you a couple more points to that. Meanwhile, senior Israeli official told the Times of Israel, the Jewish state opposes the participation of the West Bank Palestinian Authority and the governments of Gaza. Well, the first of all, it's not pretend like they're at any odds with Palestinian Authority. They're completely controlled by Israel. Everyone in Palestine is basically open about that. So what's interesting to this is it's really about keeping these two entities divided, which, by the way, was the entire point of funding Hamas, which is what Israel has always been doing. And I'll include this yet again, as even Haaretz on October 9th posted this out, saying that the reason is that they want to thwart the establishment of Palestinian state. So they need to continue funding Hamas, which is, quote, part of our strategy. That's what Netanyahu said in 2019. It should be public knowledge, but it's still crazily not if that's a word, crazily. But nonetheless, the point is, if you separate them, well, that's what he was aiming for in the first place. So they would never fully have a state because you got West Bank and Gaza completely separated. So by saying this, what you're doing is officially making these, you know, you don't want them to even communicate. They're they're West Bank, now we're going to deal with Gaza separately. It's just divide and conquer, guys. They're continually getting what they want. His plan also stresses that Israel will continue to oppose the unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. So that's gone. Who cares what international law or humanitarian rights or or what the entire international community says? We don't want it, so shut up. You get where that's going, right? Because we're going to make a point to start today about how Israel, why, without question, and they stated this, see themselves as above international law. The Palestinian foreign ministry has pushed back against his plan, claiming it essentially means reoccupying of Gaza. But again, I wish that, I mean, first of all, Palestinian foreign ministry is not necessarily the group we should listen to or the PA. The point is that they have and continue to occupy Gaza. That's a fact, right? We need to get beyond this illusion that they're not. And we've played the point from uh, Francesca uh, uh, Albanese from the UN. It's it's beyond question whether or not they're technically they're you know when they control the area, they're still occupying the area. They still control it, and this is what international. Communities have maintained for a very long time. So the point is, reoccupying is the wrong word, but nonetheless, the plan amounts to the continual occupation of the area. It's sim- and as they write, it's simply the plan serves as interest to prolong the war and stay in power, which it seems like everybody knows. Like everybody, their own people, Haaretz, Times of Israel, corporate media in the United States, and yet we all, when it's addressed specifically, you're a, a racist for saying that. I mean, it's wild. Now, here's another point that's important. Aria points out that it seems that Elon Musk's Twitter has gone on a rampage of attacks, and this was from the 15th of this month, against almost all Iranian media outlets, which is not surprising. They're censoring for Israel at this point. I think it's blatant. By removing their blue-yellow check marks and suspending the paid subscriptions and privileges, just suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. This is the weird new social engineering state of the Twitter platform. But it says, Elon, you post memes bashing F Facebook and Instagram for not allowing free speech. But, yeah, I mean, only children are truly pretending like Elon is saving free speech. But I'm sure, you know, Tucker on X and Alex on X are going to keep pretending that it's all good because they're on X. 
how it works. But an Israeli company, Autotix, is the third party responsible for verification on this platform. Oh my God, that's a crazy story, breaking news, except we talked about this in December. So I hope you guys remember that. As always, if you're watching this platform or any of the other platforms run by other people working for The Last American Vagabond, like The Conscious Resistance or Unlimited Hangout, you already know all of this because you're ahead of the curve. The point is, Israeli unit 8200 tied company runs Twitter verification. We talked about this December 2023. That's based on Whitney's work. It's just important to point out that one, patting ourselves on the back, we are demonstrating our value because we tend to have these stories where it's important before it becomes the hot topic of the party paradigms. But just remember how important that is. To Whitney's overlapping work, the IDF and these the 8200 overlap of these intelligence assets who have stated many times that they're never not, they will always continue serving the interest of Israel as they then set up companies in the United States that run things like our 911 call centers. Wait a minute, didn't we just have a massive nationwide outage of call centers of 911? Yeah, we did. Carbine 911. Now I'm not saying that proves anything, but it's really alarming as we continue to see the Zionist reality and how much influence and how many surreptitious actions have been taken against the U.S. entity by Israel. I mean, like I said before, we just caught spy devices at the White House during Trump's administration. So we're going to pretend like they wouldn't just use these assets when they need to I frankly think the border part of this is part of it. We'll I'll make a point about it in a minute. So my worry here is that we're talking about verification. It's a one small aspect. But when we get into things like national security, right, biological overlaps, 9-1 secure, like, you know, emergency services, which you can prove there's all these direct connections to Unit 8200 connected, IDF connected, intelligence apparatus connected companies that tie back to Israel. It's very concerning to me. But that's one aspect of it. Now, other important things, two last points, I think, before we get into the main point today. Another update. This is from Haaretz. This came out the 22nd. Israeli Nova partygoer was misidentified as Hamas terrorist on October 7th and killed by Israeli forces. Added to the list. So here's the interesting part. As they continue to, like, recycle the same four different stories from October 7th and just keep pushing it back out and keep pushing it back out with another revamp, another reevaluation, and another anonymous. It's over and over and over. And look, I've never argued that what happened that day was meaningless. Clearly, people were hurt. It matters. And people and Hamas committed crimes. You can't deny that. But when you are confronted with the ongoing continuation of how the evidence is overwhelming, I can't even count how many the helicopter pilots, tank drivers, IDF members, multiple security head at the kibbutz Be'ere, many different Israelis themselves all tell you that they shot their own people. And a colonel from the military says that it's a mass Hannibal. I mean, you just can't get past how crazy this is. Now, the story makes it seem like some quirky misunderstanding. Oh, well, I shouldn't. That's not, not funny, but it's, you know, a sad series of misunderstandings. But I just think it's incredible how many examples we have of IDF members shooting these. How Okay, so as you see that picture build and build and build, you need to stand back and ask, okay, wait a minute. How many were actually killed by Hamas? And I'm not saying none. I think it's clear that we're some. But how many? At what point do we then ask what really happened? I think a lot of people are. We'll follow up on this, but I think the Hannibal directive part of this or Hannibal procedure part is provable. And then we have stuff like this from one of these classic propagandists for Israel, still sharing this. 20 weeks ago, he says, never forget, never forgive. Right, what you're staring at is a provable piece of evidence. One of the first examples that proved that this was an Apache helicopter, Hellfire missile. You think Hamas and their guns have the ability to do it? They don't. This was proven by Haaretz. 
They just don't care. Do you think this guy doesn't know that? He, he's, they see all the stuff we're talking about. They see the gray zone. They see Mondawise. They see the electronic intifada. They see all the reports. And they just post it anyway. Because propaganda is relentless. The more you say it, the more you can. It's just about constant, constant barrage of the same things over and over until you just accept them. That's what that is. But think about how gross this is. Those are people they killed. They're now trying to use to ju- justify their murder for more of those people. Or really just innocent people. It's disgusting. Now, Arnaud Bertrand makes it one one clip here I wanted to play. There looks like there's a couple of them, but I'll just play the first one. Ultimately, then we'll get into the violation of, uh, you know, above international law. But this is a point about a the Chinese foreign minister. And it just makes a point that I want you guys to really hear that you've heard me say this, but it's undeniable, right? That there is an, under international law, the fourth Geneva Convention, you have the right to armed rebellion, armed struggle. And understand that, which, by the way, if you haven't heard this, the reality is it is occupied. That's the fact. Not just Gaza and the West Bank, but Palestine. That's the reality. If you go back to the true origins of this discussion from the United Nations, and the point is, and and again, even if you just think Gaza, that's the game they play with it not being occupied. You see, there's a reason they do that. The point is that because it's occupied, you have the right to armed rebellion, which means you don't need to wait for a missile or an attack or some strong words. You can just stand up that day, take your gun, and fight against the military aspects because that is your right as an occupied territory legally under the under international law so again when hamas attacked that was a protected act under international law and that may bother some people but it's the simple reality if the the facts bother you well that's that's between you and the facts now when they went off to hurt people in some cases that were civilians then that's a crime and that has to be regarded as much as such and i've said that many times but you just don't get to wash back everything and say, well, then, you know, none of it matters because they did this one thing. Well, okay, by that very rationale, literally every war the U.S. has ever fought has been should be deemed illegal, which, quite frankly, as always, it's kind of a bad example. But either way, let's listen to this uh, Chinese representative tell you this. Oh, guess what? It looks like we just got censored on Instagram. No surprise there. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I expected that today. We'll see how many of the rest get censored. I wonder if they'll censor me for using that image on Twitter. Who knows? But let's listen to what he had to say. Uh, UNGA resolution. Three zero. UNGA meaning United Nations uh, General Assembly. 070 of 1973. I quote, reaffirms the legitimacy of the people's struggle for liberation from colonial and foreign domination and alien subjugation by all available means, including armed struggle, end of quote. This recognition is also reflected in international convention. For example, the Arab Convention for Suppressing of Terrorism of 1998 affirms, I quote, the right of peoples to combat foreign occupation aggression by whatever means including armed struggle, in order to liberate their territories and secure the right to self-determination. That's the crux of the point. I just want you guys to remember, to hear, there's, and what he's listing off there, by the way, are multiple resolutions that have reestablished that standing reality from the Fort Geneva Convention. It's just, it's frustrating that it has to be continually reestablished. We know this. And there's a game. And by the way, that's what, you know, why it's so hard for this point to be made because it challenges everything they're doing. 
The U.S. is illegally occupying Syria. It's illegally occupying Iraq. It's illegally occupying Afghanistan, which, by the way, there are still assets there. We just don't talk about it. These are illegal, which means they have the right to fight back whether or not they're attacking. Every time they do, they scream terrorism because that's how you play that game, which is exactly what Israel's doing right this moment. So let's make sure we understand that they very clearly see themselves as outside the law. And they've made that statement more than once. So this was recently a, a minor positive. Where, and this is just a post to remind me, Bort Blinken says, uh, you know, what basically, remember what Pompeo, and I, I covered this on the show, argued that the settlements weren't illegal. And I was just like, how, how stupid that was. Because it was, they're illegal. Everybody knows that. So what that shows you, just like with Trump giving Jerusalem or the Golan Heights, they just, they see themselves as dictators. They can just, you're that you gained this because I said so. You're not a king, as much as they would love that to be the case. But Pompeo just made that, you know, he loved, feel like he was important. We lie, we cheat, we steal Pompeo. You're stealing right there, bud. But the point is, Blinken overturns the Pompeo doctrine and says Israeli settlements in the West Bank are inconsistent with international law. You see, you can't even be, you can't say they're criminal, they're illegal, inconsistent. It's just such soft footing (laughs) around the conversation. It's so cowardly. But of course, the point is, as I said, a good thing but hard to praise them for finally doing a small part of the right thing after five months of genocide while still arming the ones committing the genocide to this day. And by the way, long more than just five months. I mean, it's how long they've been pretending this is the case, even though we all know that they're illegal. And even when they say that, even when Pompeo said that they were it not, they were consistent with international law or whatever way he framed it, that they would later still kind of go, Oh, let's slow down on those settlements. Like, Okay, well, you just said they were okay, and now you're pushing them to slow down? Like, it's just, it's obvious it was about politics. But I said, I said, they just, well, the point was that we, I find it hard to praise them for the small thing. They just woke up this morning and realized that it was wrong? Hardly. They're afraid that you are finally recognizing this whole point. Now, Decensored News, of course, points out that after, of course, they just do it anyway, right? And announce a bunch more settlements because they don't care what Blinken or the U.S. think, which they repeatedly state proudly. And yet, yet Blinken and Biden meekly go up to the cameras and act like they're all friends and care about it. It's, it's so embarrassing. But he's disappointed. It says Blinken and Kirby are disappointed in Israel's approval. Disappointed? What, what are we, in preschool? Like, think about how dumb that is. You're talking about real world consequences here and you stand up and go, you know, that's illegal. And they do it anyway. You go, oh, I'm so disappointed. But you let it happen, though, don't you? And you ignore it entirely and you keep funding them, though. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Like these people are children disappointed. You guys should go to prison for allowing this to continue. But you're disappointed. I mean, it just shows that this is a game to act like we're just, it's all, it's all morals and cons. We're like, we just tried so hard and we just, we tried, but we did disappoint and let us down. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in my room and think about it for a while. It's like, really? Who do you think you're tricking with all this stuff? You guys are literally killing children as we speak. But here's what, here's what the prime, prime minister of Israel posted on February 19th. Israel does not recognize the legitimacy of the proceedings of the International Court in The Hague regarding the legality of the occupation. Not even talking about the genocide, you realize, but they're talking about the general understanding of their illegal occupation, It said, which is being rehashed right now. And it says, which are an effort, which again is my point. Why do we need to reevaluate this for crying out loud? It's been established a hundred times, but that's how this is played. But it says, which are an effort designed to infringe on Israel's right to defend itself? 
against existential threats. That's the only way they pretend this makes sense. They're always, always, always on the back foot guarding against all the evil Arabs trying to kill them. And all of this is designed to just remove their ability to fight. I mean, it's just, I, does anybody actually believe that? I don't even think Zionists believe that at this point. It's, it's a crazy argument to make with what's going on in the world right now. But it just shows you how desperate they've become. That's what you got. You're either racist, you're hiding behind civilians so we can kill you, or you want to remove us from existing and you don't, don't care about our rights. None of it adds up. None of it. And that's why we're showing you all this today. It goes on to say the proceedings in The Hague are part of the Palestinian attempt to dictate the results of the diplomatic settlement without negotiations. Is that what's happening? Or is it just the static reality of law? Right? Like, it's just, it's incredible to contort the reality of the standing law, whether or not Palestinians ever existed, to this being an effort to to manipulate the agreement. I just think it's pretty crazy. Again, I, the fact that anybody is defending this is mind-blowing, but what it really shows you, they're above the law. We don't recognize your authority. Can I get away with that? Can I run the red light and be like, I don't recognize your authority over me? We can try. They don't care. But the point here, they have used these rulings in other circumstances, the UN, anywhere else against anybody they dislike, and realize that some of these we're talking about, these are not things they get to just disagree with. Right, We're talking about the, the reality of international law in regard to occupation and illegal settlements and so on. That's not just a choice. You don't have to sign on to something to be in. They're violating that. They don't care. Now, we talked about this back in 2018. Israeli government argues it can annex any land to fight any international law it chooses. This is literally what happened. Let me show you. Now, this was from Mondawise in 2018. Justifying land grab, Israel says it's allowed to ignore international law anywhere that it wants. This is actually what they stated. This is the crazy part about this. This was public. Your government knows this. The UN knows this. Why don't we point back to it now? I mean, this is my point about how come in the conversations at the UN, nobody brings up that tweet from, from Haaretz and says, hey, but you, you said you were funding Hamas. Doesn't that confuse the whole conversation? Why not? I mean, because even at these locations, that there's some level of weirdness going on even there. You have to realize that this is provable information that Haaretz wrote. They are on the statement. There's leaked information. I mean, it's public. So when he stands up and goes, we have to fight this group, shouldn't somebody go timeout? As early as 2019, you were literally funding them. Doesn't that change how this is supposed to be dealt with? Of course not. But here's the point. It says the Israeli government has recently claimed it can, quote, legislate anywhere in the world. That's a direct quote. That it is, quote, entitled to violate the sovereignty of foreign countries. Also a quote. And that it, quote, is allowed to ignore the directives of international law in any field it desires. This was made in front of their Supreme Court by, or rather, I think it was the Knesset, or either way, the, the doc, the, um, where was the actual video? Here's the actual document, by the way, for those that might, this is, it's in Hebrew, of course, but you can, this is literally what it discusses. And I have the breakdown here. I thought I had a little clip in here. I guess I might have misplaced it. Anyway, so the point was very clearly in their documentation, which you can read for yourself, they stand, they say literally that, and it's really, it specifically came down to a law about whether they're allowed to like annex more of the West Bank and so on. But the statement he made while standing in front of their government was literally that, that we can take the, we can, we can legislate anywhere in the world. We can violate any sovereignty of foreign countries, like, and the, if the, they so choose based on their God-given mandate. That's what it came down to. And this is the point they keep making about that using that manipulation. Now, it says the, and by the way, again, this was written as an official response to the Supreme Court. 
Now, the settlement uh, regularization law, which is what this was about, was passed in February last year, and this was in 2017, in order to retroactively legalize thousands of settler homes. And remember, nobody sees this as legal. Just because they pass a law in their Knesset doesn't mean that it's legal. They're trying to legalize the things that they know the world sees as illegal. And, And the structure is built on Palestinian lands to avert the possibility of the Supreme Court might one day sanction their removal. It says, before the law was passed, Israeli law still considered such structures illegal, which again means basically nothing when nobody enforces anything. But it says, even though under international law, absolutely all the settlements are a flagrant violation of international law, be they located on private land or not, which is the truth. It was not. And so what we're really even debating here, as seeing all of them are illegal, is whether or not they're allowed to just like literally steal anybody's land if they're if they're Palestinian, which we know is happening right now on full display. But it says it was not only Haaretz that called the law a theft law, even Israeli media, guys. It was also longtime Lukaniks, like from the Lukud, Lukud party, such as lawmaker Benny uh, Benign or Begin, former Lukud minister Dan uh, Meridor called it evil and dangerous. Even Netanyahu himself was warning that passing it may end up getting Israel officials to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Now, you see, his point was not, we shouldn't do it. It's wrong. It's illegal. It's evil and dangerous. His point was, they may try to hold us accountable for it. Exactly. Exactly. This is why they're saying, we don't even recognize your authority today because they know that they're breaking the law. And here's what it actually said explicitly. The state of Israel in the recent response letter, which you can read for yourself, it's included it right there, to the court claimed in its defense publicly to the court, quote, the Knesset has no limitation which prevents it from legislating extraterritorial anywhere in the world, including the West Bank and Gaza. You know how alarming that is for everybody currently worried? Now ask yourself, where are the Republicans screaming about the border conversation here or what they may do to this country? Like, you may not see the connection. We'll get to the border discussion in a minute, but the point in general is that I see far more concerned about the way that entities like this may use. It's the same point that if it's China or Russia and some part of the paradigm, it's the most worrisome thing in the world. But there's a lot more act, more dangerous actors in the world who are using those things against you. Anyway, the point is simply that they are arguing they can do whatever they want. And this is having made that statement, the Israeli government goes on to rebuff the plaintiff's claim that it cannot legislate there and goes even further to suggest that it is not at all subject to the directives of international law. It says, quote, although the Knesset can legislate any place in the world, although it is entitled to violate the sovereignty of foreign countries through legislation that would be applied to events occurring in their territories, although it is within the authority of the government of Israel to annex any territory, oh my God, although the Knesset may ignore directives of international law in any area it pleases, Despite all these, the plaintiffs seek to define a rule, in quotes, by which precisely in Judea and Samaria, West Bank and Gaza, the Knesset is prohibited from legislating anything. And they're precisely there and nowhere else in the world. It is subject to the directives of international law. Basically, his argument is, why would we be bound by international law in these areas if we're not bound by it anywhere else? It's pretty incredible. Again, I challenge you, this is a real discussion. I talked about this back in 2018, and it just shows you the kind of brazen disregard for the very things they forced down everybody else's throat. The Zionist government, the Israeli government, actively telling you they're above the law. Now, their attorneys were were in disbelief on the other side and spoke out and said the Israeli government's extremist response has no parallel anywhere in the world. 
It stands in gross violation of international law and the United Nations Charter, which obligates members, states, to refrain from threatening or using force against the territorial integrity of other states, including occupied territories. The Israeli government's extremist position is, in fact, a declaration of its intention to proceed with its annexation of the West Bank. 2018, right? All, six years later, no kidding. We don't even we pretend like this didn't even happen. We reevaluate these things once again when they act like, how dare you suggest we would do the things that we publicly stated we were going to do and the U.S. gaslit everybody so we wouldn't like see it. It's wild, guys. And this is, think about the mindset there. Why would you be above international law? Why would you argue that you can annex and do and legislate anywhere in the world? Well, there's only two things I can think of from a perception of the God gave us this. And so this is all God's will mindset. I would argue that's more so the Jewish person being manipulated by the Zionist mentality. Either way, Clearly, you can see how that might just justify literally anything. But I think it's also more about the idea that you literally feel that you are above the law, that 75 years of existence has shown you that you can manipulate, lie, cheat, steal, and sexual blackmail with blackmail networks, anybody you want, and force that, or just straight up terrorist activity, which we're going to go through next, that you can just force it in and get what you want, which, by the way, the origins of the Zionist party, Zionist controlling structure using terrorism to get palestine from the british government has set the tone for their entire existence terrorism terrorism gives rewards that's how i see i've seen this gone forward now this today middle east netanyahu pushes for indefinite military control of gaza and she writes yeah that's called occupation they're just blatantly putting it out there now here is a here's a clip from Rania showing you what they're planning to do. And this is about the highway that's going to be built through the middle of Gaza. Tell me how they're going to build a permanent structure that they're going to utilize and that's not continue, or at the very least, a little bit more land uh, uh, theft, occupation. It's obvious, guys. And your governments and the people that are cowering behind the illusion that this is racist to point out are act are letting this happen. Your leaders are feckless cowards if they're standing back and doing nothing is building a new highway in Palestine's Gaza that will run through the former Netzarim settlement and will effectively divide the besieged enclave into two parts, Israel's pro-government Channel 14 has reported. Being referred to as Highway 749, its construction will level off civilian infrastructure in its path, likely including the Turkish hospital which was operating a few weeks ago before being destroyed, Al-Aqsa University, two villages, amusement parks and acres of agricultural land. According to the report, Israeli forces are establishing this highway to deploy future military offensives in Gaza, as well as to prevent the movement of one million Palestinians in the south of Gaza back to their homes in the north. לפשוט לעבר מרחבים שיש בהם אויב, למנוע את המעבר מדרום לצפון. The report has sparked fears among many who say the construction of Highway 749 indicates Israel's plan to illegally reoccupy Gaza, 
contradicting the supposed stipulations of its long-term ally the U.S. as part of its solution to the ongoing conflict, which includes no reoccupation of Gaza and no reduction of its territory. This report on Israel's post-war plans for the besieged enclave comes amid threats of a ground invasion of southern Gaza's Rafah, issued by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, while Benny Gantz, a member of Tel Aviv's war cabinet, warned Hamas that if all Israeli hostages aren't released by the start of Ramadan, Israeli forces will launch the assault which will reportedly last for six weeks it's just such a manipulation obviously that's not going to happen so they're just setting themselves up for what they want and every single time they include the point about no more reduction of their territory no more occupation i mean do they realize that's how stupid that is that israel is like literally as they're writing that taking more land in the west bank it's happening right now i just showed you and yet they make these agreements and discussions acting like they're going to act in good faith Here's an example of them literally doing this while they pretend they're going to not do this. This is a sh- another video showing that they are driving um, uh, uh, tractors into Gaza through the fence and already beginning to lay fields and plow fields inside of their territory. Which, by the way, again, it's all Palestine, for crying out loud, but it just shows you that they're telling you they're doing this. It's happening already. It says the tractor arrives at the last mound it says heads all the way to the sea. So he goes right inside the gate, goes in. There, and the point is what they're doing is sowing fields in Gaza. And they're, they're proudly this. The point is all these are being posted on their channels. They're praising this stuff. They're continually taking more of their land. And the point is, that's not even a secret yet. It's racist. If you talk about it in certain circles, here's Haaretz. Weirdly enough, the ultimate aim of the gang of this gang, which is the religious Zionism party, the worst. And I'll play a clip for you that will frame how, why this is the most extreme elements. But this gang is, quote, purging the West Bank of Palestinians. That's what they're saying. Think about how ridiculous it is that they're publicly saying we're purging Palestinians, not Hamas, but Palestinians from the West Bank, not Gaza. And yet we're standing back and trying to debate whether this is not, it's all about Hamas, they're going after, I mean, it's just insulting. Even the ones that are cowardly giving you some elements of it while hiding the rest of it, like CNN and Fox News, all of them. This is public. They know it's happening. We can all see it. Yet you'll have an entire segment about how this is really about, you know, is this in violation of international law or are you only going after Hamas? Clearly, it's not about Hamas. They're continuing to publicly tell you this. Cleansing the Temple Mount of Muslim worshipers and annexes, annexing the territories to Israel. That this is, And guys, this is a former prime minister of Israel writing this article. It's mind-blowing. As Arnab Batran writes, Ehud Olmert, Olmert, former prime minister, now saying the goal is purging the West Bank. Cleansing this, uh, what I just read. He also says that their partners want an all-out regional war. Shocking. That's what we're telling you because that's what's happening. Gaza's just the first step. Is anybody paying attention? I know you guys are. It's incredible. This just goose steps forward while we all see what's happening. And every second right now, children are dying. And your politicians are cowardly acting like they're trying to figure it out. Well, as Nick Nax Balal points out, this is the kind of genocidal material that the Jerusalem Post publishes nowadays. Truth be told, Israel should be prepared for the reckoning that's on the way, he writes. They have reached apartheid South Africa status, who the U.S. and U.K. also back to the bitter end. Shocking. And you're going to see why that is. The U.S., the U.K., Israel, the Zionist entity, they have been hiding this and suppressing the reality of what they're all supporting from far back as I can look. 
It's not a surprise that they're all supporting the Azov movement, that they're all hiding every one of these elements. And weirdly enough, how they all seem to vote no every time a bill comes up that, de- that is supposed to denounce glorification of Nazism. I'll show you in a minute. Every single time, going back years, the UK and the US, they vote no. <laughs> how do you possibly explain that without something like this? But as it says... What these esteemed statesmen have apparently failed to grasp is that the very idea and what they're pointing at is the people like Blinken and Biden talking about a two-state solution. Well, they call me ridiculous for not thinking when I want that, but knowing that their Israeli government is screaming it'll never happen. And they have for 75 years. We're finally just acknowledging that and they're finally finding a reason to state it as if it only just changed. But what they're saying is in regard to the ones talking about it, what they failed to grasp is that the very idea of a Palestinian state is no longer geographically viable. Oh, gee, I wonder why. Because you've destroyed it all? Morally acceptable. My God. So it's no longer morally acceptable or even politically tolerable to the overwhelming majority of Israelis. And there's a reason for that. If that's even true, it's because they have radicalized these people. The same thing they pretend is happening to all Palestinians. And here is an example of just the settlers, by the way. And and just so you hear me on this, in no way... Is this representative of every Israeli, every Jew, or every anything, really? The point is, there's lots of Jewish people, there's lots of Israelis in Israel and elsewhere in the world that will scream to you about why, I mean, everything we're saying today. Zionism is not Judaism, that they are lying to you, they're using us, they don't represent us. But just so you see this, here are the settlers who they're giving official capacity to. And this is exactly who we're talking about. These are the people running around, murdering, raping, stealing, burning. And this is what even the corporate media has been forced to acknowledge. And that's why even the U.S. has started to point out that these there's a problem, the sanctions and so on. Now, this is subtitled, but here's, what there's, here's what's going on. It says, what do you mean you're letting them in? Hey, calm down. He says, what are these, Arabs here? <laughs> He says, well, who are you? No Arabs enter here. He says, you're letting Arabs here? You want to ki- you, w- you want to kill us here on the farm? Why are you letting Arabs in here? Not Palestinians, not Hamas, Arabs. Why are there Arabs? Where are they? They get other guns. In each of time, ultimately, just more of the same. Shoot me. What are you thinking about? It's, you know, basically just more rhetoric about Arabs. You want, you know, why Arabs aren't allowed here. You know, the same kind of thing. You know, showing the very clearly, you know, not racist mentality, right? But the point is, it says, you know, as he's writing out here, Israeli settlers living on stolen lands, a Palestinian village of Mikhamas, South Ramallah. They robbed 0.5 million shekels in today's attack. And here, Rich People Weekly points out, well, first of all, Mr. Pro-Zionist Michael Rappaport, who literally did the most ridiculous Super Bowl commercial to people that have no ultimate effect on what they're talking about, telling you to go to the app and do what it tells you. Just blindly follow, blindly follow, right? He's basically pointing out, look at this. 
basically a suggestion here is that because these signs have multiple languages, that how could they possibly be racist? How could they possibly be an apartheid state? You know, despite the fact that literally every human rights group in the world says that and every international body has been acknowledging it for years, but because they've got writing on the signs, well, God, how dare you suggest that? I mean, just people are blind followers. And then Rich People Weekly rightly cites Asher Ginsburg, right? A very prominent individual in, 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 in ju- ju- the judicial world saying, quote, they deal with Arabs with hostility and cruelty, trespass unjustly, beat them shamefully for no sufficient reason, and then boast about their actions. There is no one to put an end to this despicable and dangerous tendency. Speaking about settlers. I, you know, and it's just, it's just put people like Michael Rappaport, who have lots of reach, are just these like spokespeople for Zionism today. Yet he probably thinks he's fighting for Jews because that's how Zionism works. And he is blinded to it because he believes that. But here is one of these individuals. You know, while we're all being told from the U.S. side that they want freedom, they want the two-state solution, they want there to be. And here is an Israeli minister of settlements, you know, the illegal settlements. And there's a minister for the illegal thing happening because that's how completely it's not happening, right? Saying, quote, there will not be a Palestinian state in the land of Israel because there's no such thing as a Palestinian people. There's no such nation. So not only are you denying that it ever existed, you're denying that they exist. You're telling me that River to the Sea is about denying their existence while they're literally stating stuff like this? Guys, this is ethnic cleansing. This is racial, uh, what's, the, what's the term for it? Um, right? I mean, you're, you're dehumanizing. What you're doing is setting up the, for the reality of why you think that they should be a, a, you know, removed from existence. Everything we're talking about today, and you will begin to see why this kind of rhetoric is coming from this direction. Now, here's Betselem, an Israeli human rights group, pointing out that after they called out the settlers, even Biden, meekly, well, they spoke up and said, it's a campaign of lies. Right, despite the provable evidence that's literally anywhere you look, and their channels are overwhelmed with all of their crimes they gloat about. I mean, it's pathetic. Because they just, but they just don't, they probably don't even think they're crimes because they don't think you can commit crimes against Palestinians. That, they, that's what they have stated. But Finance Minister Smotrich has already explained that the U.S. sanctions on violent settlers stem from, quote, false and anti Semitic campaigns. Of course it does. It's not that they're murdering people, you're just racist. And this is Beth Selim saying debunking the Israeli government's gaslighting and denial of state backed settler violence, right? An Israeli organization, but who cares, right? Dan Cohen, just adding to the points, ending the segment, just don't forget this, guys. As they're pretending this isn't happening, in March 22 of March of 2023, they literally said, quote, or rather the article, then we retake Gaza. Hardline minister hails repeal of the West Bank disengagement. They were telling you this was going to happen, and right up to this very moment, they're pretending like it's not actually happening. Now, getting into the reality, starting with the actual terrorism of the, the, the kind of the, just the extremist aspects of the Israeli government and into the connections designed to uh, Nazism and the historical concepts there. First, just realize that this is the kind of stuff that's happening right now. This is from February 6th. Family of New Orleans grandmother says she was kidnapped by pa- in Palestine by the IDF. This is a literal American grandmother, a woman who has family living in New Orleans, who was in Palestine because they have family there, right? She's there, gets kidnapped by the IDF, beat up with all sorts of terrible treatment, Nothing happens. Where's where's Biden? Now, again, there's no way to suggest to state to, to make the argument that she is somehow more important because she's American. But it's so the reality that your government, if you're in the United States, didn't even speak up about that. 
You got what does she break the law? Was she was she Hamas? Well, no, she wasn't, and she's not. That's part of the story. But my point is, they didn't care. They beat her up. They kidnapped her. They held her indefinitely, you know, for the time they did with no charge and then let her go. This is the reality of this extremist entity who is murdering, kidnapping whoever they want and lying about it. Here is a, a human rights lawyer. Israel holds a female Palestinian's rights lawyer without trial or charge since January 17th. But no big deal, right? Just no, yeah, only democracy in the Middle East. Cuts News Network points out Haaretz, as we already showed you, in fact, reports that Israel's military has admitted that it, that it was, in fact, behind the twenty the 72 virgins no censorship telegram channel, which was disputed by all the Zionists on Twitter, posting some of the most horrific, graphic, disgusting, praising of torture, praising of mutilating Palestinian bodies, praising of killing children, and they just said, yeah, that was us. Did you hear about it in Fox or CNN? Did you hear about it anywhere? I think actually I do think there was some minor coverage, but not not as it should be. But and the point was this was their psychological warfare, their their praising of the worst of the worst. And there's this some of those videos, but it's just blurred out for the most part. But just what one of the points it takes from this is one of the people they were praising and laughing about as a 13-year-old when he was put in prison. No charge. He's 22 years old. He's still in prison. That's the reality of what they're doing. You could prove this. Even during the corporate media's coverage of the so-called temporary pause, they were forced to acknowledge the administrative detention of all these children, which they just deem as terrorists because that's how they see them because they're Arabs, Palestinians. That should be clear by now. Now there's, you know, it's it's in Hebrew, but the point is there's graphic kind of language. Just so you guys know, if you're, it's bleeped out, but for children, he literally says, die, you son of a bee. To, to a hurt Palestinian on the ground. And by the way, this is a 13-year-old kid. Run over by an Israeli patrol vehicle, which, by the way, seems to happen all the time. He was left bleeding on the ground without first aid, as they always seem to do. Nearby Israeli settlers hurled insults at him. You just heard him. Die! Why would you possibly do that? That is pure hatred. You have a child mutilated on the ground and you're screaming, die, die, you because he's Palestinian? It says it came moments after Israeli police shot and killed his 15-year-old cousin who allegedly ran at them with a knife, which we know how flimsy those can be. They arrested him, accused him of aiding the enemy during a time of war. This is not during October 7th, guys. This is... Far back, they, for 75 years, Palestinians have been living through October 7th, okay? This whole time. That's the reality. And this is the one I just mentioned, by the way. I, I briefly pointed this in another show. He's literally sitting there being screamed at by a bunch of adults. There's no parents or guardian with him. And he basically just goes, you know, whatever you say is true. Just stop. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. That's what happened. And that's supposed to be positive. Suffered skull fractures from the patrol vehicle strike. It was seen during the interrogation telling officers he couldn't remember what happened. Jesus. That's a, that's a 13 year old boy. 
Can you imagine that and pretend that's how democracy, if you even pretend democracy is what we should want? Right. After they challenged it and showed that it was, they, he went down to nine years, still in prison. Right. The lawyer literally said they were holding responsible for the crimes of the person they claimed ran at them with a knife. God, so, so disgusting. Of course, the medical condition got worse. Imagine trying to get attention for that with all that's going on. It's just horrifying. And so the point is that this is what's going on in one small fraction of everything that's happened over the last 75 years. So yet again, the clip we played with, let's let's play this to set the tone for what we're going to get into in regard to Zionism. The reality that Zionism is not and does not have anything to do with religion. It is a political organization. And that political organization has ties to the Nazis and many other fascist and extremist entities since its origin. It's not debatable. Now, does that influence what they are doing now with the videos you just saw? Well, that's up for you to decide. I think yes. Which has Zionism is a political philosophy which has brought about the state of Israel, the so-called state of Israel. This, this political philosophy has nothing to do with religion. On the contrary, it seeks to confuse others and let them think that Zionism and Judaism is one and the same. I am a conscious African. I know properly my history. I know that Africa gave Judaism to the world. I know that the first Jews in the world were Africans. Not only do I know this, but I inform everyone who has doubts about it to read a book by Sigmund Freud entitled Moses and Monotheism as a beginning. Consequently, I know that Judaism and Zionism are not the same. Zionism had its first organizational expressions in 1897 in Bath, Switzerland, in Europe. Here was a man by the name of Theodor Herzl, H-E-R-Z-L. He was the founder of Zionism. He said that he was going to find the state that God promised the Jews. Listen to this very carefully. This man, Herzl, was an atheist. He believed that there was no God. He said God did not exist. Now, how is it that a man who believes that God does not exist is going to find a state that God promised to his chosen people? I'm telling you, this man is Satan in disguise. Zionism is a satanic movement. It is devil. It is imperialism. It is racist. It has gone and taken the lands of the Palestinian people and through terrorism has driven them out. And through terrorism, it maintains its power. And the United States of America, with over six million homeless, sends to Israel billions and billions and billions of dollars everywhere to bomb Palestinian people while homeless people are here and unemployed are here. Zionism is going to raise this war and make the people of America become clear to what it is and become anti-Zionist and stop the aid to Israel and use the money to take care of the homeless in this country. Hard to disagree with that. <clears throat> the point is now, look, and my point, I, I said last time I played this, it's not, the point is not necessarily about whether or not you agree with every point that person's making, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it was Howard University. The point is simply that this is something that's being expressed and is a, is a, is an, a, just hearing the, the opinion and the stat and, and regarding that with what we're pre presenting today. Like the point about all this stuff should not be about whether that person is has enough history or clout or education for you to blindly take what they're saying at face value. It's just data, guys. It's information. It's information that you should listen to, absorb, and then do your due diligence on, whether or not I'm saying it or he's saying it or anybody. So it's always funny how people were like, who is that? Where's it from? Which matters, obviously. 
but it's real. The reason that one's presented is just about here's a, here's a concept that's being presented by somebody who understands the history and just to set that tone. Here's another one, right? Here's an example of something. Uh, this is shared by a, a, a account named Barbie. Not familiar. Nazism, Zionism, and fascism all originated in European societies. Here's another perspective on this that I think is very interesting. Nazism, Zionism, fascism were all born in Europe. These are all European ideologies. They're not Arab or Muslim ideologies. They're not from Asia. They're not from the Middle East. They're from Europe. Europe carried out the pogroms, carried out the final solution against the Jews. Europeans did under European ideology. And then under European ideology, the displacement of the Palestinians happened and the uh, bringing in physically of people from uh, of a Jewish background and then filling and taking their land. Hmm. That to this day has not been addressed. And the very people who facilitated that and presented that as a viable option are the same people who annihilated the Native Americans from their land. And to this day, they've not answered for that. They've not answered for the fact that they've uh, reduced the Native Americans to living on reservations on their own land. It's an interesting perspective, right? I mean, it's not, it's completely accurate. Like the idea that, and you'll even hear this spoken about in the past about, you know, the specifically just today talking about Nazism, Zionism, like the, these concepts come from the same kind of settlers, colonialism mindset from Europe. And that ultimately these have been used against everybody in many different ways. Now you could disagree, but I think it's interesting to set that tone for a larger reason. And other points we'll make down the show that I think are relevant to the larger picture. Like for, for example, here's the clip you've probably seen of Jacob Rothschild saying that my family created Israel. And that's important for the concept of the document of the, the Belfour Declaration, dear Lord Rothschild. Now, there's theories around and, and discussions around the connections of the Rothschilds and so on. But listen to this clip for just the beginning of it anyway. And I'll touch on that. In modern Jewish history, and it begins with three words. Dear Lord Rothschild. Dear Lord Rothschild. I have much pleasure in conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's government, the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations, which has been submitted to and approved by the Cabinet. Now, that doesn't say Jewish aspirations, it says Jewish Zionist aspirations, which is not the same thing. Right? That's important to realize. This is about the Zionist state that then just got named the state of all Jews, which is not the truth. Why was it that this letter was sent by the Foreign Secretary to your great-uncle Walter? It's an interesting question because it was primarily a movement from Eastern Europe. But they didn't... Again, just making that clear. ...clarify who was in charge of that movement. And in addition, it was, after all, in Great Britain. So they felt that the Rothschild family um, should be the one to whom it was addressed. And Walter was Lord Rothschild, and he was uh, a Zionist. And um, those really are the background reasons. So Walter received the Balfour Declaration, and, and I have a copy here. And I wonder if I could possibly ask you to read it for us. Yes. I mean, that, that's the gist of it. The, the point simply being from you know, Europe and, and the idea that they didn't tell us who was really in control of the movement. And you know, and the idea that the, the founding entity of Zionism was literally created by the Rothschilds. I think that's important to understand. And here is uh, Hazam Zumlet simply pointing out he's the ambassador to the state of Palestine in the UK, simply saying, you know, marks 206 years since Brit Brit Britain issued the colonial Balfour Declaration, which gave our land away. 
right? I mean, you can't really pretend this was given to you by God when it was given to you by Britain, especially when you understand that it was given to you by Britain because you were literally bombing them with terrorist activity. And this was a way to, you know, kind of settle that problem. And it's what you read it right in this document. It's no all the narratives around the the the, the state they claim that the state of Israel is. It completely gets ruined by this one that there was a Palestine. Two that it was given to you by Britain, and the understanding why the origins of what this entity was. Now, before we get to that, just again understanding the timeline here is important. Here is Rania pointing out the history of Israeli land theft and what it, and why it's important. me now to show you five maps. The first one is historic Palestine. This is the territory over which the Palestinian people should have been able to exercise their right to self-determination. Instead, the General Assembly recommended the partition of Palestine, ignoring the will of our people as shown in the second map. Now, right there, it's important to realize that, yeah, this was so this moment, this was Britain giving away Palestinian land. It's the most obvious reality in history. It's blatantly obvious based on the actual de- historical documentation. And then what's important to know from there forward is what you're looking at here turned into what you're looking at today. Now, the only way that happens is with a legal land occupation, the continuation of the land theft. That it violates the 1967 discussion of the lands, even under the two-state solution that was agreed upon by Israel. Like, they just keep stealing land. There's no way around that. So how you can somehow today pretend like that what the, what's going on today is all but Hamas's fault? Palestinians? Did they, did they purposely pull back into Gaza? No, you kept taking territory. West Bank got smaller and smaller and smaller. There's no way to misunderstand that. They just lied, everybody. With the Nakba that ensued... Over two-thirds of our people were systematically and forcibly expelled by Israel. And three-fourths... That was the worst right there, right? That, that, and again, I should clarify that, that what I was just saying was pretty much from here forward. The Nakba happened, which was already after they had lost a huge, almost the majority of their land, but that was when they expelled, you know, what was it, 600, 700,000 Palestinians and murdered tens of thousands, if not more. I think it's actually, I think, regardless, it was a massacre. And some of the worst things I've ever read of humans doing to other humans happened in that discussion. Of Palestine became Israel, as shown in the third map. This was the start of the Nakba, the disposition, the displacement and replacement of our people, the denial of rights and discrimination that continues to this very day. In 1967, Israel then occupied the remainder of Palestine and from the first day of its occupation started colonizing and annexing the land. With- so you have to understand the point being that you have to the, the occupation. It's it, it, this is where it gets confusing is the point is ultimately when they became the state of Israel before that they had already taken Palestinian land because it was illegally handed to them by Britain. So that's what I'm arguing the reality of occupation, which is still you can't it's written down. You can't deny that. But so my point is going from there forward. You can't just pretend that only Gaza or only the areas are occupied. That's just fundamentally false. But the point is in in the context of what people discuss it as that first part kind of gets lost in, in the dynamic, but it's obvious it's all occupied. It's all Palestine. You can't deny that. 
The aim of making its occupation irreversible. It left us with a collection of disconnected pantustans. And that's why it's sort of what's happening more today. If you keep these people disconnected, disjointed, confused, unaware of what's going on, always unsure of what might happen that next month, which they'll all tell you, Many IDF members have spoken up. We would raid house in the middle of the night for no reason, just to make sure they were never sure. They were never comfortable. Endless amount of people have made that point. That's not what you do in a free state, a free state with good intentions, right? That is a terrorist state. Preventing the independence of our state, as shown in Map 4. Israel wanted the, uh, the geography of Palestine, but not its... De- Sad. So let's bring this into a conversation about the state of Israel, right? And just the kind of overlap of the, you know, extremist terrorist elements that I think are important. Now, Whitney Webb posted something today that says, fact, the man who went on to create Israel's ruling Likud party, which is Netanyahu's party, was condemned by Albert Einstein and other prominent Jews as a terrorist and fascist. They directly compared him to the Nazis, and they urged the U.S. government to keep him from entering the United States. Now, I, I, I kind of debated on how I wanted to frame this today, whether I wanted it to be chronological, whether I, you know, I wasn't sure. So what I ultimately decided with was kind of like the progression of the extremism, right? So we're first just kind of talking about the obvious examples that the Israeli government itself is historically and currently extremist. And then step further into how that makes sense and, and go back in history to the orange, the connections to these entities, but she, she goes on to say, today, Einstein and company would be called self-hating Jews and anti-Semites. As you know, we'll get to a point about that in a minute, about Ben Shapiro and the rest that call anybody they disagree with that are Jews, trash, or whatever else. It's happening all across the conversation, which really what you're looking at is Zionists attacking Jews because they're not taking the line of the Zionists. But they'd be called self-hating Jews for simply pointing out that this other Jewish entity was a problem. But it says the real goal of the current effort to brand anti-Zionism as anti-Semitism is to brand any opposition to Likud policy, including endless war in greater Israel and so on, as anti-Semitic. It's complete insanity. And of course, because Whitney's fantastic, she included the link, which is why this, you know, nobody seems to want to do today. And you could read this for yourself, right? This, there's, uh, this, is, this is the actual written New York Times article. Albert Einstein, letter to the New York Times, December 4th, 1948, New Palestine Party. And you can read it for yourself. The point is simply, you know, I'll just be getting among the most disturbing political phenomena of our times is the emergence of this newly created state of Israel and the, quote, Freedom Party, a political party closely akin to the, its organization, methods, political philosophy, and social appeal to the Nazi and fascist parties. I mean, this is, this is Albert Einstein and other intellectuals writing this 1948. So just to start us off on a good point here, it's pretty interesting that you can see that they're already aligning them as a fascist extremist entity masquerading as something else. Well, they saw it. It says it was formed out of the membership and following of the former Ergun, a terrorist right-wing organization in Palestine. Yep. Ergun, Lehigh Party, there's foundational aspects of the Zionist entity. Their current leader, the visit of him to the United States is obviously calculated to give the impression of American support. Guys, this is important to the larger way that this works out all the way to this day for his party in the coming Israeli elections and to cement political ties with conservative Zionist elements in the United States, which, by the way, have carried all the way to this day and are more prominent than I've ever seen. 
as if several Americans of national repute have let their names to welcome his visit. It's, it is inconceivable that those who oppose fascism throughout the world, if correctly informed to his political record perspectives, could add their names and support to the movements he represents. Now, here's the point, though. Is that actually what's been happening? Has the United States always actually been resistant to these elements? Or have they actually secretly absorbed them? Think the Project Paperclip and the worst elements of what they pretended they fight up for fighting of the Nazi party became the foundation for NASA. Now, if you never heard that, that may sound crazy. Just look it up. It's a public discussion. They literally brought over the most extreme elements of the scientific side, which, you know, think technocracy, the same point of the Nazi party and brought them in to the U.S. government. And we're going to make a point about that when we segue into the Azov movement. Michael Lebed, a Nazi war criminal that was used by the CIA and Israel to create what we're talking about. We'll come back to that. And saying his political record, uh, basically, before irreparable damage is done, you know, stop him from doing this. And it talks about his attack on Arab villages, you know, just horrific, uh, genocidal kind of actions, guys. It's amazing this kind of stuff can be on the record. Thank you to Whitney for pointing that out. Here is another, this is from 2014. 1948, New York Times published this letter by Einstein, just in case you were going to dispute it. This is from Heretz. Now, here's a clip. And by the way, you could probably make an entire show of just these kind of historical documents and clips that go back to the origins that nobody pretends actually happened anymore. But this is from Expat Vibes, saying British sergeants uh, Mervyn Peace and Clifford Martin were kidnapped and held hostage for three weeks before being hanged by Zionist terrorists, and their bodies were booby-trapped with explosives. Sounds like things we're seeing happen in Gaza right now. The increased terrorist attacks is what caused the British to withdraw from Palestine, rewarding the Zionists with the notion that terrorism works, which is carried all the way to this day. And even in this old clip, this old AP clip, it actually acknowledges that what they were doing was akin to what Nazis did. More on the nose than you realize. All decent people must have been horrified by the murder by Jewish terrorists of the two British sergeants, Mervyn Pace and Clifford Martin. Their funeral took place at the Ramley Cemetery with full military honours. The two sergeants, kidnapped as hostages, were hanged as a reprisal, the sort of cruelty once commonly indulged in by the Nazis. Until the appalling situation in Palestine is cleared up, unspeakable outrages may well continue. This uh, public, obvious. Right? These are terrible people doing terrible things. But we're, so what changed? Well, narrative, propaganda. The reality is obviously the same right now. You can see it on display. We already played you this one, also from Expat Vibes. Swedish diplomat. Right? We played this for you. This is the reality. This is an individual who saved 31,000 Jews from the Nazis, or so the history goes, was, was shot, killed by Zionists, who are supposed to be supporting the people that would be doing things like that. But he was killed in Jerusalem. Why? Well, because he went and saw the horrible things that have been done to Palestinians, and he talked about it. That's, that's the reality. And he was murdered by Zionists because he dared to point this out. The go-ahead for the murder came from the future prime minister of Israel. I mean, even Kim Iverson just talked about this and said that she fact-checked it herself. The point is, you should look into it for yourself. If you care about the truth, because these things are provable, and it's not hard to prove these things. Diplomat Camp Folke Bernadotte was appointed as UN mediator in Palestine. His mission was to seek a peaceful settlement. 
Count Bernadotte surveyed the devastated Palestinian villages and visited refugee camps in both Palestine and Jordan. In a report, he wrote, it would be an offense against the principles of elementary justice if these innocent victims were denied the right to return to their homes. On September the 17th, 1948, the day following his UN report, the motorcade of Count Bernadotte was ambushed in Jerusalem. He was shot at point-blank range by members of the Jewish Stern Gang. Okay, so this is the Stern Gang. That's, that's the Lehigh Ergun. That's what we're talking about. Think about all what we've just barely covered already, and it proves to you that these people were acting openly. Let's not forget, you can, and again, this is written down. The Lehigh Party even called themselves terrorists, which is just a crazy thing to think about. That was the term they used for their own members. This is documented, I don't think it's Wikipedia, but it was in one of the you know Jewish uh, archive discussions where you can list, it's all documented. And it's not hard to understand because they, they thought that was the way that they would achieve their state, their, their state. The point is that this is all on the record. That they were murdering people, they were terrorist acts and bombings and shootings against the, the British to get what they wanted. They were killing anybody, even people that were rescuing Jews during the Nazi party, uh, Nazi control, because they pointed out what they were doing to Palestinians. But the same time frame, they, which by the way, they're still doing to this very day. So we need to reevaluate what we think of when we think of what these parties are. Not what we think of as Jews or even Israelis, but the Zionist party that is influencing those people. Because they are the same they were then, right now, we're watching it play out. And here's another point she makes. The King David Hotel bombing, which we could go into in depth as well. It's another perfect example. It's a public discussion. It's not even disputable. Another example of a terrorist being promoted to prime minister. This is the, the terror, the, uh, what was his name again? The one we were just mentioning before. I don't know if it's uh, benign or begin. But this, it says, from a terrorist who bombed the King David Hotel in Jerusalem, killing 91 people to the Prime Minister of Israel. I mean, let's not forget, the Le they, they tried to distance themselves early on to the Lehigh Party and, you know, just repudiated them. And I think some of these people really actually realized that this was not what they wanted. I mean, I don't think it was all just lockstep. I think we even see today there's people that feel differently on the way it should go. But that they tried to pretend it was bad, but then just quietly shifted back. They literally give a Lehigh pin to people who do things they praise today. I mean, it's 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 very clear. Oh, begin. Yeah, I think I trying to pronounce that correctly. In any case, so going forward now, this is just generally pub publicly accessible information, right? Now, quickly, a segment on why this may be so easy to understand from an educational perspective. Now, of course, you can make the same argument that you say this is what Hamas is Palestinians. I disagree with that. I don't think it's as easy to make that clear about what they pretend is happening in Gaza. Or the way, I mean, is it just, just Gaza or is it all Palestinians? Does that mean West Bank too? So, you know, it's, it's, it's this muddled conversation. They just want you to think they're dangerous and bad because we say they're terrorists. And then on top of that, you can realize that the funding comes from Israel through Hamas to put these things in there, which we can prove. So we have to realize this is a coordinated effort. The whole thing we're talking about today is manufacturing the excuse to justify your existence as somebody protecting Jews when in reality you're using them as your own human shield, to be quite frank about it. But here is a, 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 an academic speaking on the reality of how children in Israel are taught. Public opinion in Israel has moved so far to the right and the creation of new right-wing parties has grown so much that you now have this coalition that's between the right, the far right, the extreme right, and what I carefully will call the fascist right. That's the alliance. 
So Netanyahu's fear is not about the left. He's worried about his right wing. That's where the, he could be unseated by the right, not by the left. At the level of people, the polls all indicate that the younger you are, the further right you are that the most progressive cohort is the 65 and up. And then the next is the 55 to 65, it's direct. And the most right-wing are the kids. And that's because Israel has an incredibly successful, powerful, ideologically driven educational system that raises children to believe that they are victims and that they have the right to fight back against anybody who attacks them because they're victims, and that therefore anything they do militarily is self-defense. So there is no sense of challenge to the idea of living in a militarized society. And we've heard this, guys. We've heard this constantly from IDF members that go through their own awakening. Right. And they, they're standing with their gun over a dead child. And they then this has been statements they've given. Like I've shown you videos of this and they they realize I'm the bad guy here. And they and they go through this rapid awakening where they deprogram, essentially, like that's what it's like to be brainwashed. Right. And so they've said this. They say, look, I didn't realize I thought we were defending ourselves. I thought we were going to if we didn't kill this child, that we were going to have another Holocaust. I mean, that's basically paraphrasing what one of these guys said in an interview. All right. Well, here's just a quick example of what you will see. Abby Martin has done amazing work on this. This is not some unique, you know, misrepresented faction. This is a large majority of the population, and that's because of the Zionist propaganda, the way they've trained and manipulated entire generations, just like we can see in the United States. It's not just the, it's, it's not unique to this one government, but realizing that on top of that, there are, even though that's happening, just like with this country, huge factions of Jews and Israelis and otherwise any people that live in Israel that are telling you that this is not what they believe, that they're fighting to change this. Both Orthodox Jews themselves, there's any number of different people in these organ, in these places all over the world. But this is, in my opinion, a huge portion of the average people. <laughs> Just saying death to Arabs. These are children just chanting death to Arabs. And this is not some little faction outside of a protest. This is a huge state-sponsored and supported action. Muhammad is dead. This one says the second Which, by the way, is what one of the politicians literally said about what's going on in Gaza. It means ethnic cleansing. That's what it means. They're speaking to Arabs on the other side of this fence. Refugee camps. Think about how disgusting that is to say while they're pretending like it's your fault you're in refugee camps. And it says Saudi Arabia stands up. I'm not sure I Religion is rubbish, they're screaming. Like these are just vitriol, hatred. Good Arab is a dead Arab. Arab is a son of a bee. Says Jews are my beloved. It says you didn't react to those who attacked us. So an Arab man basically saying, like, why didn't you do anything when they attacked me? That is racism. <laughs> that's what. It, so that's the rights you get. The equal rights they pretend are there, clearly. Palestine is dead. There is no Palestine. 
Again, you just heard a politician say that. Syrians, Palestines exist whether you like it or not. Now look, I, I'm, I will easily tell you, I'm, I'm willing to bet you that there's similar things being yelled back at them in this context. But you have to realize the difference, in my opinion, is that this is sponsored and can state. This is a massive nuclear powered state that is basically pushing this on their own population. And then if you you can prove that a lot of the stuff they point at that say, look at what they're teaching their kids in Gaza comes from Hamas, which they're funding. And again, at one point, Right. I mean, I've always argued this since from somewhere between 2005 and today, think obviously things have changed. And that that comes from generational changes and people that grow up and want to push back and so on. It only takes for not too long for people to end up, as Scott Ritter points out, the children of the camps. Right. So I just think we have to fa factor that in. it's not all or one or all or not. There's a mixed bag we're dealing with here. That's important. It's not just like they're all for Israel, all for Palestine. I think it's always a mixed bag. I mean, you get the point. That's that's the obvious reality. Here's another example. And I already played you this one, right? This is just this very militant guy in a military uniform speaking to a, a, an entire stadium. What he's saying is we start basically saying that we the we should have been uh, the, the crux of the point was simply saying the new Jew that we are here talking about is a Jew who stands very close to his enemy. He looks him in the white of the eyes before he takes his head off. And this is the worry I have about this militant mindset that she just talked about. The, the younger they are, the more far extreme right there. And this is the mindset. And don't, don't think of it left, right in the context of U.S. politics. Just think of it about extremism in any, any paradigm, the extreme sides of any of it. And they're and they're now rationalizing this that they're they truly believe the propaganda being pushed that everyone's out to get them. People who are right now saying we concern we're concerned with the government of Israel and what they're doing to children, they turn that into they're trying to kill all the Jews. And they don't hear our argument if they see the people pointing at everyone over here and saying the world is out to get you, which justifies their entire control over the state of Israel and the mindset that everyone's out to get them. I mean, they're they're turning this into the I mean, they're extreme. This is what it looks like to radicalize. They're literally radicalizing everyone in front of them who believe that they're about to be killed by anybody. I mean, Elon Levy, Dave, Eli, Dave, or Elon Levy, Eli David, these people on Twitter and elsewhere are screaming that literally there's never been a time in history that Jews have been safe. That, and they've stated that explicitly. And that right now, nowhere in the world is safe for Jews and everyone's out to get them. What do you think that does to a child? They're wrong, by the way. Wildly wrong. Now, again, here is even when the United Nations published this in November 1975. It said very clearly, elimination of all forms of racial discrimination. And it says, quote, any doctrine of racial differentiation or superiority is scientifically false, morally condemnable, socially unjust, and dangerous. And on December 14th, 1973, General Assembly condemned the unholy alliance between South African racism and Zionism. Because that was the core point of why South Africa was the way that it was. It was a Zionist Israeli-influenced entity. And the point is, they're calling out the state of Israel and Zionism as a whole as being racist. Determining that Zionism is a form of racial discrimination. 
I mean, they've already deemed this the case in a United Nations General Assembly hearing, but nobody cares. It is. That's the reality. And I talked about it in the show. Zionism is racism if you want to watch it further. So let's take this a step further, right? I think it's very clearly established that Zionism is an extremist entity. The ideology is extreme by its very definition because of its history, because of what it's done to be, to be, to exist and to what it's maintained its existence as ever since. So the point then is why? Is it just because they're extreme or is it because there's more behind that? Both maybe, but let's realize that this is something that is also provable. As I've shown you before many times, Dan Cohen posted this. And again, I, I, when, I, when I first found this, I went through and did the show on it. I believe that was this one, or I think this was the first one. The world is beginning to see the true face of Zionism. And we go into that, and, and it's right on Wikipedia. And even as we talk about it, people are dismissing it as fake news. And it's, again, public information. That the Lehigh Party, which is a foundational element of Zionism, more than once tried to align itself with Nazi Germany. And once with Stalin, in fact. And the whole argument is that they would they were trying to set up their own state. And as we played for you before, they made agreements with the Nazis. Now, you could argue it's because they were just trying to do whatever they could to get their own state, but you need to realize this was at the expense of anybody. And it very well was, in some cases, the expense of Jews, or would have been of all of them had they gotten it a different way, in my opinion. Because there was no, nothing was sacred at this point. And I'll show you what I mean by that. But just so it's clear, this is a document talking about, or a post talking about the Lehigh Party. And it's saying the on January 11th, 1941, the German naval attache in Turkey filed a report conveying the offer by the Lehigh Party to, quote, actively take part in the war on Germany's side in return for German support, quote, for the establishment of the historic Jewish state on a national and totalitarian basis. That was the public statement. They wanted a dictatorship, a totalitarian state. That's what, they, that's what it is, guys. It's the point. And then he also points out that the Lehigh Party continued to seek an ally of Germany, of Nazi Germany, even after the final solution began. Now, I don't know how you possibly make sense of that. And here's this is a Haaretz article. You can read it for yourself. I don't know how you make sense of this. If you pretend that the state of Israel was built because of what the Nazis did, how do you then, rec how do you then reconcile the, the, the argument or the reality that they... While that was going on, they were working to, to align themselves with that party. That mean, There's foundational parts like this that expose the whole thing. Now, that doesn't mean you then know for sure what the real picture was. I think, I think I see it. But what you know for sure is that the story you're being told is not true. That's easily proven at this point. And that is contentious. We're just not allowed to say that, despite publicly available information on Israeli media. Zionist militia's efforts to recruit Nazis and fight against the British are revealed. It's Haaretz, guys. Now, here's a video we played. Thank you to Hussein Al-Bukhadi here. Oh, I forgot I was going to, nothing you didn't know, share this link with somebody. I want to, I'm trying to connect with some people in Yemen to get more of an in-depth interview about what's going on. Uh, and Hussein is somebody I've interviewed many times in the past. Make sure you follow him. He simply writes Nazi, and he's a self-made journalist in Yemen. Nazism and Zionism, the real story. That's one element of it. We played this for you. But this is an old corporate media report discussing this, right? The transfer agreement how they made a deal with Nazis to be able to move themselves into what was Palestine at the expense of Palestinians and get, bring all of their assets from Germany. All right, so you had the European extremists who wanted to take this territory over here and get out of the way and keep funding and working or rather just you know supporting and working with Nazi Germany. But as long as they got to take all their assets, that's the real point here. 
live on Channel 5. This is the 10 o'clock news with Deborah Norville. Coming out revealing secret negotiation between the Nazis and the Zionists in 1933, which allowed German Jews and their assets to go to Palestine. Rich Samuels joins us tonight with the story of the controversy behind the book and the author's struggle to write it. Rich? Deborah, with the rise of Adolf Hitler to power in the spring of 1933, the Jews of the world were faced with a dilemma. They could raise a cry of protest, a cry few would heed, or they could make a deal with Hitler, a deal that would bring a step closer their dream of an independent Jewish state. American Jews marched calling for the boycott of all German exports. How can you call it a Jewish state in that sense if what you're literally talking about is working with the very person and the very actions that you pretended was the reason it became necessary? I mean, it's just wild to me how obvious this is. Jews throughout Europe echoed that call. So did Jews everywhere. But a group of Zionists at the same time was quietly negotiating an agreement with the Nazis to allow the immigration of German Jews and the transfer of their assets to Palestine. You see, and here's the crux of the point. There, Jews around the world were speaking out, but the Zionist elements were trying to align themselves. At that same moment, as long as they got their, good, their assets and their money and their, their, their status moved over into Palestine and the illegal occupation. So the, right in there, you could obviously see that Zionists didn't represent all of Jews. In fact, they were diametrically counter to what they were screaming about. And all they did was work with the group. They later used to point at for their entire existence to say that that's why they need to exist. The very group they, they've worked with, aligned with. I mean, it just it really continues to blow my mind how this is not discussed. And I, right now, am being called anti-Semite simply for acknowledging this reality. That deal, reported in August 1933, was the transfer agreement. Palestine, sparsely settled by Jews at the time, was radically changed as a result. I lived in Palestine from 1933 to 1936, and uh, we saw... Palestine. ...every week, transports of German Jews coming to settle in Palestine. German-Jewish settlement of Palestine was, for a time, official Nazi policy. These photos of Jewish life in Palestine, along with a lengthy text, appeared in 1934 in the Berlin paper Der Angriff. A Nazi visits Palestine was the title of the multi-part series. A medal was struck by Goebbels in commemoration. On one side, the swastika. On the other, the Star of David. Hitler demanded one concession for the transfer agreement, that the call for a boycott of the Reich, raised by Jews here and elsewhere, be rejected by the Zionists. The Zionists made that concession. And so, while Nazis were marching in Germany, and while Jews were marching here, diplomacy was running a more important story. In the Mediterranean, where the dream of a nation-state for Jewish people came a step closer to reality. The story in this book some will find hard to accept. You've never been told what the origin of Nazi is. N.A. is uh, National Socialism, which was the German Nazis. And in 1923, um, there was a double agent who uh, came to Hitler and uh, he said to Hitler, look, your Nazi party is not, your, your National Socialist Party is not getting off the ground. You need an alliance. And he suggested that they, they ally with the Zionist Party. So the NA of National Socialism joined with the Zionist Party in 19, uh, the World Zionist Party in 1923, and ever after was known as the Nazis, NAZI. The ZI was for Zionists, but of course no one knew that, because uh, our popular mythology is 
that the terrible Nazis uh, were attacking the Jews. But what we were never told is there was a great schism in the Jewish community of the world between the Zionists and the non-Zionists. You see, the, the non-Zionists were the Orthodox Jews who believed you could not have a Jewish state until the Jewish Messiah came. They didn't acknowledge Christ as Messiah, so they were waiting for their own Jewish Messiah to come. Then you would have a Jewish state. And that Jewish and this is where the Zionists stepped in and act and argued that they somehow knew that this area that was given by Britain was supposed to be what God said, and <clears throat> over time convinced Jewish people to think that that was what God wanted. I mean, and this is why the Orthodox Jews of the world in many communities are screaming about how this is a bastardization of Judaism. The state would rule the world. But uh, the Rothschilds in 1828 decided they couldn't wait for the Jewish Messiah, so they started what they called Reformed Judaism under Moses Hess. And Reformed Judaism said, yes, you can have a Jewish state before the Messiah comes. And the reason you could have it was the Rothschilds had made so much money, they said, we'll buy our own state. So the Rothschilds sent uh, people out to the Middle East to, to have Jewish settlements, and, uh, which is today the state of Israel, totally created by the Rothschild money. And um, so Reformed Judaism then became uh, the cause of a great schism between Orthodox Jews and Reformed Jews. Now, no one has ever told you this, I'm sure, but... And the point is that the governments of the world have sided with the, the Zionist elements of this the entire time, which has driven the popular opinion over to this when, you know, and again, as usual, like we're talking about the Palestinians not being given a voice or anybody else, the establishment system just drowns it out, ignores their cries for how that's not what we believe, that's not what we really are. And I'll play a couple clips like that of Jews speaking up today, saying, how dare you act like you represent me, you know, but it, that's how this works. It's in every topic we can see. Uh, you think that uh, the Jewish community is monolithic. In fact, it's split sharply down the middle. But even today, uh, they have riots in the uh, Jewish parliament between the Orthodox Jews and the Reformed Jews. And uh, they cannot agree on anything because the basic premise is a fundamental disagreement over uh, whether a Jewish state should even exist today. So... Isn't, isn't it crazy that that's something goes, that goes on in their parliament? But we don't even hear this stuff. We're told the exact opposite. That's a controlled flow of information. In 1923, the German Jews were quite prosperous and quite happy, and they were not interested in becoming uh, Zionists, and they were not interested in going to Palestine. After all, they had beautiful mansions in Germany. Uh, they had symphony orchestras. They had art. They had everything, and they were accepted in the community. As Ezra Pound said, uh, the uh, Germany was the least anti-Jewish uh, country in Europe. Uh, when you went over into Poland and Russia, you had very strong feeling against Jews. But in Germany, they were accepted and happy. So why would you ever have an anti-Jewish government in uh, Germany? And of course, Hitler, allying himself with the Zionists, he said, after all, you're right. He said, we have the same goals. And... Uh, so he allied with the Zionist uh, party, and the mission of the Nazis was to force the anti-Zionist Jews to accept Zionism. And this is what the concentration camps were about. They put the anti-Zionist Jews in the concentration camps, and they were placed under the direct administration of the Sonderkommandos, who were the Zionist Jews. So the concentration camps were run by the Zionist Jews in order to punish 
and uh, get rid of the anti-Zionist Jews, which they did. And, of course, that's a part of the Holocaust that you're never told, that uh, this was a fundamental uh, Jewish uh, disagreement, which the German people, that Daniel Goldhagen wrote a book in which he said, all Germans uh, cooperated in their anti-Jewish feeling and the Holocaust, which was not true at all. The Germans did not even know what was going on, most of them. It's just like in the United States, when we were perfecting the atomic bomb, and bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, the American people knew nothing about it. It was forbidden to mention the atomic bomb. I was serving in the Air Force at that time. We never heard of any atomic mission or atomic bomb until the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. So uh, you could say the American people are guilty of the greatest atrocity, the dropping of the atomic bomb on Japanese civilians. But that isn't true. The American people knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it in the Air Force. And I was right there. So um, these things go on without the knowledge of the people or the approval of the people. But, of course, they have to accept the results. These things happen, and you, you're stuck with it. So this is the real story of Zionism, that the Nazis... So then, well, if the... Nazis had allied with Zionists, why didn't the Nazi party survive? Well, what happened was, in 1945, after the German military was defeated, they brought in the German leaders, the German generals, at the Nuremberg trials, tried and convicted and executed them. They had to execute them because they didn't want them around to testify that the, uh, about the alliance between uh, the Nazis and the Zionists. So they had to die, and they were executed for that reason. Because, oh, they, they told about the atrocities that the uh, German generals had uh, uh, committed. But German generals are like any other generals. They don't really commit atrocities. The troops under their command may commit atrocities, but they don't commit any atrocities themselves. These German generals didn't go around shooting Jews or anybody else. But uh, they were executed, and so the Zionist secret was safe. That, uh, and now the Zionists were now in command of the world because uh, their National Socialist allies were now gone from history, and uh, the Zionists uh, had a free reign, so they set up the State of Israel. And in fact, some Jews themselves even claim that there should be a statue to Adolf Hitler in, uh, uh, in uh, Israel, because he created the State of Israel, which is absolutely true. <laughs> Without Adolf Hitler, Israel would not exist. The Jews would still be dispersed, and they would have no country. But George Steiner, a very famous Jewish writer, proposed this about 10 years ago. He said, why don't they put up a statue to Adolf Hitler in uh, uh, Israel? <laughs> well, they're not likely to. And, uh, because there again, the big job of the criminals is to keep the truth from the people. They want, not only do they want you not to find out anything, but they flood you with disinformation. Most of the stuff that you get in the press is absolute lies, and if it's not lies, it's spin or distortions. In other words, they, they uh, give you 10% of the truth, and the rest is all distortions. And, uh, and they demonize people so that you're filled with anger against the, uh, the Holocaust people who, who murdered all the Jews in Germany. And, um, <laughs> and people do get very angry because of these things. And... Uh, they don't even know what they're angry about because they're not told the facts and never will be told the facts because the press is totally in the hands of the bankers.
And what's important right there is just to realize that, you know, good people with good hearts who believe they're fighting for good things get wrapped up in that, right? And they get driven by the same kind of emotional manipulation you're seeing on display right now every 10 seconds about whatever they're talking about in regard to Gaza, October 7th. I mean, it's just nonstop. And so people get lost. They get manipulated. Here's another example. This is Torah Judaism. Here's one of the Orthodox Jewish organizations that I've pointed out before who is stating this and has been on a campaign to make sure people see this and have the same feeling I have right now. They're like, I'm so glad people are finally listening to this. They've been trying to get people's attention. They've been talking about this. Now you can disagree with them. You can say they're wrong. You could say, I, I, I think Zionists are right, but to simply just dismiss it or to say they're self-hating Jews or that they're racist or anti-Semites or whatever, that's the minute, that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, anything's possible, but realizing this is an entire Orthodox Jewish group and community that's global, they're in Israel, they're in New York, they're in UK, they're all over the place. It'd be pretty stupid just to broad stroke it as racist when they're the ones saying here what you're doing. And by the way, they're right. They're pointing out what Zionism is and they're trying to get your attention to realize that it's not what you've been told. But my point is to, to, to as like the hey, self-hating Jew point. Like if it's just simply that they're stating something you disagree with, well, it becomes a pretty far reach to say that they're the, what, you know, the complete opposite of what they're actually doing because you disagree with what they're saying. Here's what they posted. And they're showing you an overlap, and this is going to offend people just because it's highlighting the, you know, the overlaps here and showing you them looking like they're Nazis and so on. But this is what they wrote. They said, Zionism is Nazism. The Zionist state of Israel is today's Nazi state. Zionists are today's Nazis. Zionism, the Zionist state, and Zionists are genocidal and murderous. Zionism is the enemy of both Jews and Muslims. Jews are never responsible for their actions of Zionism. Uh, Jews are never responsible for the actions of Zionism and the state of Israel and the Zionists. This, there's, there's one perspective coming from a Jewish organization. Here's what they posted. You all know these traumas never go away. There's still so many families desperately waiting to hear the fate of their loved ones. Not knowing if they're alive, dead, hostile. Mr. President, is, are there Israelis um, operating within the rules of war that you talked about last week being so important? Good talking to you. I'm not really leaning in today into the visual parallels because it's so easy to make that happen. I agree with them, by the way. And I, I think it's clear that I agree with why that's being shown. But you could pick out, I mean, any any number of <clears throat> other governments and, and show parallels of things they're doing. The United States and plenty of places in the world. China, you know, there's all different things you could point out. Not to say it's an invalid point, but, it, you know, visual overlaps can be manipulative. And it's, I just, I'll include a couple I'll show you here. But 
I just want to point it out that I think that's important just because that is a Jewish Orthodox organization and that's their opinion, whether or not you agree with it. I think that's a valid thing to point out in this conversation as they're framing it as only, you know, it's everybody versus the Jews. These Jewish organizations are all that everybody agrees with and no, you know, anybody else isn't Jewish. Like it's an insulting, for, uh, you know, kind of paradigm they're presenting. And by the way, I just want to point this out. That so I was seeing some of these comments in the chat. And I hope it's very clear that in no way whatsoever am I suggesting that because we're highlighting what Zionism is doing in the overlap, I mean, the inherent point is that Hitler and the Nazi party are, are bad, evil, terrible things, and that Zionism is aligning itself with that. As, as I mean, even uh, Norman Finkelstein recently pointed out, you know, that there's, I think the, the, the inherent stance of pushing back against the atrocities committed in the Holocaust are ultimately one of these kind of Zionist elements to create this you know, dismissal of that. Like, I think it's about a, a larger manipulation. P there's plenty of evidence in regard to the atrocities that were committed against Jews during the Holocaust. There's the, the, the discussions about the numbers and disputes there. I mean, we should be allowed to dispute the historical, discuss, uh, you know, metrics and information, right? But I do think it's interesting to argue that those like somehow are not real and that it's like the, like that's the paradigm playing its game right there. That it's either that Hitler's good and this one's bad. Like, that's just this binary reality. I think they're all bad. And I think that's the point. And I think that all of it is showing you that there's a game to be played here about trying to convince you that it's about, you know, if you somehow question this, you're against the Jews. And like, that's this binary dynamic. It's just not the reality. And I think what we're highlighting here is governments and their crimes and using peoples to hide those crimes, whether it's the Jewish people around Zionism or the American people around our government. I mean, there's a thousand examples like this. And just going back to the parallels around the visuals from here, Cuz New Cuz News Network showing you a bunch of innocent is uh, uh, Palestinians who are blinded, blindfolded, handcuffed, numbered, and lined up in front of an Israeli flag. Like it's really creepy stuff we're seeing. <clears throat> and I think this is. I mean, it's hard not to see the overlaps. All the people marching through the streets behind the barbed wired fences. That's really not hard to see. And of course, here's Eli David lying about it. Dozens of terrorists surrendered, even though they other IDF posts made it clear that these are people that they apprehended. So he lied, but he lies every day. That's what this person does. This guy's a blatant, like prolific liar. So factor that into other things. He was my frank opinion about his work in COVID is that he was trying to use the truth to gain some kind of clout, which he has completely lost, in my opinion, other than extremist Zionists or people that aren't able to see through the lies. My point, though, is that you could prove they didn't surrender. You can prove that even like other IDF accounts argued that they apprehended these people. So he just blatantly lied about that. Later, just they let them all go. So it's it's pathetic. The point, though, is that you can see the exact, and I've been making this point in a thousand different ways. You'll see it within like minutes apart from each other. He'll post it. This guy will post it. She'll post it. He'll post it too. Same thing over and over. Sometimes the exact same statements. So there, there's clear coordination to their propaganda. Anyway, the point is stuff like this. It's really hard not to see the parallels to the kind of things, kind of horrific human atrocities that we've seen aligned with the Nazi discussion. This is what we're seeing in, in Gaza. Now, we already talked about the document going back to the Zionist agreement with Nazis, where they literally argued that they would be willing to, quote, sacrifice the Jews in Arab countries for as long as they got what they wanted. So watch the show if you want to see further. Here's the CIA document where they literally talk about turning this extremist Zionist military into a more funded and armed entity from the CIA and from other elements. Excuse me. This is on the CIA.gov. 
literally talking about 1947, where it's, the main point was turning the Haganah, you know, militia into something more serious. But it, all, it goes on to say the Jewish agency is apparently willing to sacrifice Jews residing in Arab countries for its cause. So that's that's in regard to whether Hitler or anybody else. They're giving up the people they claimed they were fighting for. So you just can't factor in all these pieces and still walk away pretending the story we're taught is true. You know, it's sort of how stupid it is we still pretend that Columbus discovered the Americas. We all still pretend like that's from fan. And it's, we, oh, we lie to ourselves about a, a whole lot of our own history. It's not hard to recognize that we that this is also a lie. But here's, a, by the way, a great clip that, J, that Jason did. It's, it's a breakdown of that exact point. You can look at it for yourself. Watch it. It's only six, seven minutes long. So it, it breaks it down. Uh, Anisha shared this document, which you should see as well. They'll appreciate that, which is a, a, a Middle East... Um, uh, monitor article from 2023 discussing how Israel's state archives, which you can look at, the, the links are in here, exposed their Zionist efforts to enlist Nazis against Britain, which we don't need this document or article prove that. We already know it. We have their own statements. But the point is that they enlisted Nazis' help to help attack Britain to get what they wanted. Like So it's all very clear. And the part that she highlights was simply saying details of the meeting indicate that Lehi agreed to take active participation in the war on Germany's side. That's what Dan Cohen was pointing to. That a partnership of interest between the German worldview and the true national aspirations of the Jewish people was to be formed. But again, this is about the Zionist entities at this point already using the Jewish identity as their as their manipulation, in my opinion. And you guys can disagree. But I think the history of this and where it's gone is patently obvious now here is another book you could read for yourself 103 pages simply documenting all the different collaboration with the nazis and it's it's 51 documents zionist collaboration with the nazis which i don't think we need much more evidence to make this clear but if you'd like to read it for yourself it's pretty damn abundantly clear nazi zionist collaboration now here is a recent clip of netanyahu making a statement that I I think that wouldn't actually be too damning if you weren't aware of all the stuff we just covered, right? So here's what he said. He didn't want to uh, exterminate the Jews at the time. He wanted to expel the Jews. And Khajamim and Husseini went to Hitler and said, if you expel them, they'll all come here. So what should I do with them? He asked. He said, burn them. So his argument, interestingly enough, is that it was always the bad, evil Muslim Arabs. They're the problem. Not even, even as their argument is that we're fighting against the Nazism Hitler concept and anybody bad, you ultimately conflate with Nazism. You arguing that it was a Muslim Arab Palestinian or whatever, you know, a, 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 I think it's just an Arab who told Hitler to burn them and that's why it happened. So it's always secretly been the bad Arabs. Like that's, I mean, it's, think about how wild that is. And even if, like, my point is not even to take that at face value. You can look at it both ways. Either his argument is that Hitler didn't ultimately want to do this and Zionists made that the reality, which is pretty incredible to me, or you can realize that what he's ultimately saying, or he's trying to conflate or almost like side with Hitler, like he's not as bad as you thought. It was really the Muslims. I mean, it just, I don't know how you place this without realizing these people are dangerous. It's a very strange thing to say at this time, but it's all about trying to convince you that it's not what you're actually, what the bad thing right now we're fighting is about protecting all of you. But he says, she said, Fiorella says, weird how the Zionist in chief of Israel has more in common with Hitler and is clearly defending him and blaming Arabs. It's almost like Zionism is Nazism. So here is Tiberius making a point saying, comparing the two. 
Now, this is the, not necessarily the visual overlap, but these are, I think this is actually a pretty astute comparison. Nazis said they were the master race, right? Well, Zionists say that they are the chosen race. Nazis stole land and property from Jews. Zionists steal land and property from Palestinians and, and others, by the way. Nazis starved Jews. Zionists starved Palestinians. Nazis dehumanized Jews as rats and insects. Zionists dehumanized Palestinians as rats and insects. Nazis ethnically cleansed the land of Jews. Zionists, now again, if you may, people may dispute some of these points. The point is about the narrative that we're told versus the narrative that's hap- that we're per- seeing today or the reality that we're seeing today. Z- Nazis ethnically cleansed the land of Jews. Zionists ethnically cleansed the land of Palestinians. Nazis, constant propagandists. Zionists, constant propagandists. Nazis asked Europe why nobody was taking the Jews they expelled. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? Zionists asking why Arab nations, why they won't take the Palestinians they're expelling. These are literal, you can't ignore those. Nazis said Jewish children are equally guilty. Zionists endlessly tell you that Palestinian children are equally guilty. To the point where they said, I'll even show you some, that they should be starved. Actually, I think it's right here. Former Mossad official, children in Gaza over the age of four deserve to be starved. Right? Or the member of parl- a member of, of the Knesset standing up and saying that the Gazan children are responsible for this. Or, I mean, I think there's been at least four or five statements blaming children for their own murder. Nazis committed genocide against the Jews. Zionists accused of committing genocide against Palestinians. And he says, if this, if this offends or upsets you, I ask you which, to, which point you refute, right? Point out where this is wrong. And that's the interesting point he keeps making. Or that we all keep making. Is it, okay, where's the issue here? Are you just mad that the comparison is being made? Okay, if so, then why? What's wrong about it? See, that's what's interesting. It's all true. So you're just mad that it's being pointed out. He says, I chose my words carefully. I believe Israel's committing genocide. But I use the word accused because this is the objective truth. Everything here is an objective truth. That should make you mad, just not at me. Very well put. This This point was well made. Here's a quick overlap. This guy I'm not familiar with, but he just, I think he well, he, he kind of uh, juxtaposed the information here very, in, a, in an interesting way, pointing out the uh, same kind of thing, the, the overlaps to historical Nazi actions and what we're seeing today. Parallels between Nazi propaganda and Israeli propaganda cannot be overstated. And something you might not know is that the Nazis actually had their own version of October 7th. November 7th, 1938, when Ernst von Rath, the German ambassador to France, was assassinated by a Jewish teenager. This assassination was treated by the Nazis as an unprovoked, unforgivable, clear act of war on behalf of the Jewish people against the German government, and was used as the pretext for the transition from ghettoization and deportation and property seizure to full-scale genocide. The official Nazi narrative of the Holocaust was that they were just minding their own business, doing nothing wrong when the Jews collectively attacked them out of nowhere and they were forced to retaliate in self-defense. Sound familiar? At Vom Rath's funeral, German Foreign Minister Joachim Ribbentrop said, we understand the challenge and we will meet it. Now, of course, Vom Rath's assassin was reacting to the mass deportation of Jews from Germany, including his family. But the official German narrative obviously skipped over all that. It skipped over the deportation, the ghettoization, the seizure of property, the disenfranchisement, and also skips over the fact that they had this whole genocide plan just ready to go and were clearly just itching for a pretext to use it. Again, sound familiar? 
When studying atrocities, especially atrocities committed by governments, I think it's wildly important to not just look at the bare events, but also learn how they were excused. What was the pretext? What was the rhetoric? What was the narrative? Because, you know, the Germans weren't sociopaths. They, they didn't have anything wrong with their ability to empathize. They all had parents and pets and best friends and kids, and also they murdered 12 million people. A bunch of otherwise normal people being okay with that. See, the problem with that one point is that it's not all Germans, right? That's one thing that a lot of Germans have an issue with, right? That ap even after this was done right away, most Americans saw all Germans as Nazis. Why? Because that's what your government did. Your government created the propaganda that was so so over the top that Americans saw all Germans as bad because that's what they wanted, right? That helps the what get, get done. If, if you dehumanize the enemy, even in cases where they deserve to be dehumanized, like the military and their actions, and the, see, the point is the Nazi party and the government. Not all Germans, but you see your government wanted you to be, not, you know, kind of just blithe about whether civilians are getting killed because in their wars, they kill lots of civilians. It's the same thing that always happens. Same thing that's happening right now in another side of this with Israelis. There's plenty of Israelis that don't agree with this, but right now there's a lot of people who are broad stroking every Israeli, right? That always happens in any circumstance. It's just ignorant to broad stroke. You think we know that by now. Requires very specific rhetoric and narrative and propaganda and rationalization. When it comes to atrocities, there is always a justification. There's always an excuse. There's always a pretext. There's always a version of the narrative that tweaks the timeline so they hit us first and everything we do is retaliation. And if you go through life believing that the Nazis were just inherently hateful, irrational people. Well, he goes on from there. And, you know, my point is that I, I, I think that that is ultimately the reality when it comes from like the top down leadership. And like, again, you could argue there's individuals within the Nazi ranks that, you know, didn't have any choice, didn't care, didn't know. That's always the case. But I do believe from a top down point that what if you're carrying out genocide, then it's hard. You, I'm not going to pretend that you don't have some kind of sociopathic tendency. But either way, the point is interesting. And there's another there's another uh, he goes on in the second video, but you can watch it for yourself. He, I just think it's interesting to think about the overlap to the history, about the way it started, the narratives used. And I wouldn't even say that's just because the Zionist connection nuts. I think that ultimately is what bad people do. They they utilize these same kind of motives and tactics. Seeing the U.S. government do the same thing. Here's a quick overlap that I thought was just important to think about, right? Nazis, 1940, 1945. Number of children killed per day, Auschwitz camps, 127. Right now, number of children killed per day in Gaza, 178. Just a you know, little statistic there for you, make you realize what's really going on. And former Mossad official, Saying again, children in Gaza over the age of four deserve to be starved. And I've just showed you this the other day. And again, it's not new. That's why I include this link that shows you the date, even though I guess people don't look for themselves. I said the double standard is on full display. And Twitter is playing a major role in keeping it going. For those who always claim this is fake without any due diligence, here's the link. This image is real, right? These are protests from 2016 where this Israeli is literally standing there with a sign that says, kill them all. I just, I just think it's important. That's not because that's only the one I could find. I mean, I've, I've shown you a hundred examples. It's just important to see this vivid, real example. And the reason it's important to show from 2016 is because it's not new, which seems to be lost on some of the propagandists that scream about this quote, the post. The point is, it's not, it's not post-October 7th. This has been a reality for Palestinians because of Zionism for a very long time. I think that's important. 
And he said, just imagine if I was the one holding the sign. What would happen then? Think about that. Right right now, the point is they have to go so far out of their way to show you things that are benign. And just because of the context they add, this is why it's secretly wink, wink, dangerous. When you can literally show them screaming, kill all of them, death the Arabs, whatever else. So just again, that last point about the overlap, this is just somebody that was arguing with this person where they literally basically said, you know, you're an imposter because you're saying something to disagree with. And the point we're making is notice how Zionists always smear Jews claiming they're fake because they find themselves existentially threatened by the fact that Judaism stands against ethnostate and genocide, which is what any, you know, there's plenty of Jews around the world will tell you that. That what Zionists are doing in Gaza is fundamentally, it, it is diametrically opposed to what they believe Judaism is. And that's what the Orthodox Jews will tell you from Torah Judaism. That, that, that they see it as the, the, the opposite of what they're doing. Simple as that. My point is to show you yet again, here's Ben Shapiro. Right in the beginning, we have an entire group called Jewish Voice for Peace, peacefully chanting about ceasefire, Right? And he says, useful idiots for Hamas. Plus, these trash people don't even know how to wear their Jewish garb. So not only is he a horrible person, but he's a, an elitist Zionist Jew. He's like, you don't even know how to wear it right. You're trash. I mean, that's a disgusting person, guys. There's no way around that. And that's what I said. Ben Shapiro attacks and denigrates the Jews that are protesting below who just dare to simply call for a ceasefire. What a terrible person. And again, here is... This, uh, this is a full video if you want to watch it. It's hard to watch. But this is a, it's a Jew speaking up who's saying that these people, and it's Mike, Mike Rappaport and his wife, I guess, acting like they speak on behalf of Jews because they're this, – this is what – I want you to hear this. You'll find an endless amount of this on social media. Doesn't mean it's the majority. You can decide for yourself. But I just want it to be clear, whether it's Orthodox Jewish group speaking out or just average people on social media. People are finding the courage to say, how dare you just pretend like we all are on the same page? Isn't that supposed to be racism in and of itself? Well, when it came to being Jewish, that was not accepted. Like, it was not, you're not supposed to be proud of your Jewish identity. Being Jewish is, is fucking cool. Let me just be very clear. I'm Jewish, and those two people who think they're speaking for me are fucking salespeople for ethnic cleansing. And I apologize, cursing. <laughs> I missed that one. Earmuffs for the kids if you're watching this. I think he curses one more time. Last night, one of those two people, Michael Rappaport, was doing an advertisement on the Super Bowl. I don't know how many millions of dollars Israel spent on this ad to uh, promote getting the fathers, the hostages back from Hamas, from those savages, Hamas, who, by the way, offered to release all of the hostages in exchange for a ceasefire. Oh, i shockingly informed. Isn't that crazy? Weird how you can be informed when you don't blind yourself to propaganda, right? Or talking points from either side. That is the static reality you can prove. They denied the full exchange while pretending they're whiting the hostages back. Pretty stupid when you think about it. And in exchange for Israel releasing some of their political prisoners. But Israel said, no, no, no. We don't want a ceasefire. <laughs> and last night... During the Super Bowl, Israel started a bombardment of Rafah, the southernmost city in uh, <clears throat> in Gaza, right, just north of Egypt, which is the one place the Palestinians were supposed to be safe because Israel kept saying, "Go south, go south, you'll be safe, go south." And then last night they started bombarding them 
while we were all watching the Super Bowl. Myself. Which I'll include this for you guys. Our, Robert's outstanding article covering this event, the Super Bowl massacre. Israel's invasion of Rafa will be catastrophic. And it was, it was a massacre. And realize this is Rafa. They were bombing Rafa. Yet maybe they haven't gone in on the ground, just so they say anyway. But while there's nowhere else to go, while these people are there and they're working out a plan for where they'll go, they're bombing them. Like, just say that out loud and tell me how that makes sense. They have nowhere to go and they're admitting that, but they have a plan and we'll release that plan soon, which they just did today. But realize, during the Super Bowl and all the way to the state, they've been bombing that location while they're deciding where they'll go next. I mean, how do you pretend that makes sense? They're clearly bombing the safe area in plain view of the entire world, publicly telling you they haven't decided yet, and we act like that's not obvious. I mean, it just makes me sick. It makes me frustrated. It makes you wonder how this is ever, like, I, you know, I, I know we're making a difference, but it's things like that that really get under your skin. But the, you can't begin to understand how frustrating it is as a Jewish person to watch these two cheerlead and sell the world on ethnic cleansing while hiding behind Judaism and hiding behind anti-Semitism or the supposed notion of anti-Semitism. Criticize Israel, you're criticizing Jews. First of all, that is obscenely insulting to me personally because I am a Jew that criticizes Israel. So does that mean I'm not Jewish? Certainly go. a number of Zionists after me having been so outspoken against Israel, a number of Zionists have suggested that I am not a real Jew. See, it's a common tactic and it's insulting. It is in fact racist. <laughs> so listen, those are the last two people that I want to speak for me as a fucking Jew in the matter of Israel. <clears throat> if, you, if you want to learn about Israel from a Jewish person, learn from Noam Chomsky, learn from Norman Finkelstein. I would argue Norman over the two, especially right now. Noam Chomsky's kind of lost himself in these recent conversations, but historical work I'll still side with, but normal, Norm, Norman Finkelstein is, is, is the one who's been really knocking this down. And I really have to give him a shout out for how he maintains his, his composure. Like I have to go over that ridiculous schmoly debate which is just it's it's like a cartoon i i actually haven't even watched it all and i got some of these parts people are showing i'm like oh my god and the guy is ridiculous i mean it's a there i don't know anybody who thinks they see he's he is a, he is a cartoon we'll have to go through it that rabbi rabbi Shmoli guy is crazy over the top screaming things about rape and cutting things off it's crazy and norman finkelstein just calm and measured and it drives him crazy because you know he gets destroyed in that discussion with Pierce Morgan. But anyway, the point is that that's the person you should be listening to. He knows what he's talking about. He is a Jewish person. His father was in the Holocaust, and he is still has the courage to speak up and tell you the same things I'm telling you now. Or learn from the dozens of Jewish creators on this app. Exactly. That are against the occupation and against the bombardment of Gaza. Have a good day. Oh, good for him. Well, here is Another great post by Arnaud Batran saying powerful words by a 102-year-old philosopher, Edgar Morin.
one of France's most revered intellectual figures, as well as a Jewish World War II resistant who, uh, yeah, resistant who fought as a lieutenant in, in, in the French effort. He said, here, it says, here are his words on Gaza. Quote, I am both astonished and outraged by the fact that those who represent the descendants of a people who were persecuted for centuries for religious and racial reasons, that the descendants of this people who are today the decision makers of the state of Israel, that they could not only colonize an entire people, partly drive them out of their land and seek to expel them for good, but also after the massacre of October 7th, engaged in a real massive slaughter on the populations of Gaza and continue incessantly hitting civilians, women and children. That's simply the reality. And to see the silence of the world, which is the hardest part for me, the silence of the United States, protectors of Israel, the silence of the Arab states, the silence of European states who claim to be defenders of culture, humanity and human rights. I think we are living through a horrible tragedy because we are also powerless in the face of the, this thing that is unleashing. See what I'm saying? People, honest people are watching this and it's changing what they thought the way the it's it's shattering their worldview. That this was not supposed to be the way, this is not what I was thought I was defending. The rules-based international order siding with the entities like the United States and suddenly this is what they're allowing. We're watching this be unleashed and they're doing nothing. He says, at least I say, bear witness. The only thing, and remember, that's what Israel kept saying, bear witness to this video we keep putting out. He says, the only thing that remains if we cannot resist concretely is to testify, which is sad to me. But it says, let's resist in our minds. Let's not be fooled. Let's not forget. Let's have the courage to face things head on, right? This is the kind of rhetoric, like, let's not forget that you're seeing Israel every day. We will never forget every day, posting back to some empty shoes in a room and saying, well, October 7th, we will never forget. Well, by the time it took them to post that tweet, 20 children were killed, right? Like, that's the absurd part of this. Or I'll, I'll point out in a future show, the kind of action, like the people, uh, I think it was Elon Levy posted this tweet about how one in eight members of IDF that never come home have pregnant wives, like literally tweeting that while pregnant women are giving birth on a disgusting dirt road with no one to help them or losing those children or medical workers are literally having cesarean taking dead babies out of dead women on the street. One person said they did eight of those. That's what you're, and you're going, look at this, this, I mean, gosh, darn it. That's disgusting. The kind of person it takes to be posting that. And Caitlin Johnstone makes the point about this. And, and I don't, again, this is not about all Israelis, but I, the way that she, she says, Israel supporters are some of the worst people in the world. And my point about that is the, the way I would frame that is the people who are actively online, like I'm talking about, supporting the Israeli state and what they're doing, that's who I'm talking about. And I see that as Zionist manipulators or people that are tricked by them. Either way, what she shows you here are some just disgusting examples. When she posts things like, it says, these psychological injuries have led children as young as five to tell us they would prefer to die. And the person says, Gaza supports Hamas. Right? Basically, their fault. I mean, a child... Was he born supporting Hamas? Like that blithe disregard for what they're dealing That's disgusting, but it's worse. Like this. They helped it. And at the same point, really, this was the worst one where she posts an image of that child that's bloodily, disgustingly hanging from the wall. And that person writes, F around and find out with sunglass eyes. I mean, my God. I agree with her, though. This is the Zionist reality. 
Here's an example. My point from before about how we're pointing out some of the most disgustingly obvious atrocities, but this is what they're using to act like. Look at everyone being racist like we're saying. Oh my God, somebody wrote from the river to the sea on Big Ben, which by the way, good, thank God. Look at that reach. And that's the reason it's a problem for him because it's that, it's everywhere. It's gotten so, the world sees it, there's no coming back. It's everywhere. The UN, every human rights group all around the world and every group in every country is screaming the Zionist entity is criminal to the point to where they're literally posting this on the Big Ben in the UK. Think about that. It says from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And that point is simply that they will find self-determination. Palestine will be free wherever they are. I just think about that. And his point is a call for genocide. Now, there's just no way to make that a call for genocide unless you're desperate. But he says, not, not of Israelis, of Jews. So are you under the impression that only Jews live in Israel, David, or are you just racist? Right? See my point? So if it's from the river to the sea, and an argument is that means Israel will be gone, you only care about the Jews that are going to be gone? Or do you also care about the other people living there? Like, it's just, they can't even hide their racism. Either way, river to the sea is not about genocide. In the, I mean, in any context, to be quite frank, unless you see them using it back at them like some kind of taunt, like Mr. Eli David here, as I simply put, moron, and he writes, or posts from the river to the sea, that's the only flag you're going to see. So either way, if you want to make it a genocidal statement and you say it back, I mean, you're ridiculous, right? I mean, how dumb is that? Either way, these are people who are simply saying Palestine deserves to be free. And in many cases, that if that means that Israeli, the state of Israel, not all Jews get killed, that's just dumb but the state of Israel no longer exists, well, argue, like I said before, that'd be the legal justification. That's the legal reality. But I argue it's not the best solution because there's plenty of Israelis that don't want any part of this, that just were born there and have no stake in it. So we should, and again, this is what Palestinians agreed to, an actual two-state solution, which Israel destroyed and didn't, make, didn't let happen. And we've proven that. So the point is, the river to the sea, Palestinians will be free, means they will no longer be under occupation. And maybe that means all Palestine is given back to them, which is the legal justification, the legal the right thing to do. Or it means they're just no longer under a boot, whether they're in the state of Israel and Palestine is free there, you know, whatever. And, and you could talk to people about this, but they're desperate. So if what they were saying is all this anti-Semitism and everywhere, and they've never been more insecure, and this is what they have to show you, wouldn't you be seeing like racist statements and science going, Jews need to do it? I'm not seeing that. And you know this would be in your face everywhere. I see old statements and old images from a long time. Not happening right now. And what he does, is he, and he, he goes, you can't make this up. He highlights it next to a post where it's saying, well, the findings from the police in the UK, guess what? Show an unacceptable rise in Islamic phobic incidents. You know why? Because it's happening. And yeah, you're going to find actions against Jewish people too, because that's what Zionists are making the reality. That's, I, I have proven this going out of their way to drive that into happening so they can point to that and say, you're in trouble, come back over here. This is the same thing we keep showing you in every other example, like this one. Iraqi Jews were convinced that Israel had a hand in uprooting them. After the 1948 war, there was mounting popular hostility towards the Jews in Iraq. Five bombs exploded in Jewish sites. The series of bombs created a panic which led more and more Jews to register to leave the country. I met an elderly friend of my mother's, uh, an Iraqi Jew called Yaakov Karkukli, who had been in the Zionist underground. 
one member of his group, Yosef Basri, a very, very intelligent uh, Jewish lawyer, and his assistant, Shalom Saleh Shalom, were responsible for three out of the five bombs. Basri's controller was an Israeli intelligence officer named Max Binet, who was based in Tehran. Now, this is actually where it gets especially interesting. But we have one more segment I want to go over in regard to a new story. But see, this is why it's so hard. There's so much information that I wish I could get down into a smaller time frame. But we're going to get into the conversation of the overlap of the Azov movement with Israel, the ADL and faking Nazi marches, which connects back to the Patriot Front and also the Azov movement, which all connects back to the origin of Zionism. It all connects together. And it's very, very interesting to me. We're going to come to that next, but I want to make sure you see, oops, this wasn't right. This is just one more example of one of these settlers who just disdain, hates Palestine. She literally says, disgusting, stinky losers, repulsive people. There is nothing human about it. Gutter vermin. Now compare that to the Nazi ideology we just discussed. She's talking about Palestinians, not Hamas, all Palestinians. This is an Israeli actress, an ex-wife of Chelsea, a manager, Avram Grant, gives her opinion on Palestinians in Gaza. I mean, just it's just right on the surface. That is hatred, that is racism, that is bigotry, and that is all of them. That's Palestinians. Disgusting, stinky losers, repulsive people, nothing human about them, gutter vermin. I mean, guys, you find that equivalent. Now, very quickly, I just want to compare this to the point that thinking about the ideology and the kind of people this, this creates, the kind of people where it, it, in any context, and it doesn't mean every Israeli, every Jew, or every anything, but it means the kind of people that do take on this ideology, that do get taken by it. Rami Abdul, this is the assistant professor of law, member of the chairman for the Euromed Human Rights Monitor. The United Nations experts have now confirmed Palestinian women and girls are facing sexual assault by male soldiers. Some were raped, others threatened with sexual violence. Now think about how interesting this is. At a time when Israel is screaming about the lack of evidence, but they pretend is evidence, or rather proof, of rape allegations on October 7th, which everybody including the UNRWA, the UN in general. the I mean, groups across the board have said, even Canada spoke up and said, you have yet to prove these allegations in regard to UNRWA specifically, right? So my point is, they're right now trying to frame this discussion in a very specific way in regard to all of these different allegations they're putting forward. Now, one of the biggest was about the, the allegations of rape, which I've gone over like 15 times, which have not been proven. Nobody anywhere has argued that has been a proven story other than Zionist Israeli entities and corporate media like CNN just repeating what they said. Even though they later go over the information and you can read it for yourself and it's all secondhand, anonymous source. The IDF says she heard from somebody, the person who was hiding behind a bush who saw X, Y, and Z. Nothing about actual, I mean, where if they're claiming people were raped that they're talked to, where is that person? The bottom line is, if you may think that sounds insensitive, the point is there is not proof, and they've admitted it. There's no forensic evidence. There's nothing other than testimony that we've already proven have they've been caught lying about. People who have claimed they saw something have been caught in testimony that we've proven can't be true, and even Haaretz has broken that down. The very people that make these allegations have been caught lying about babies in clotheslines and babies in ovens. Why do we take the other arguments at face value? The point is, all of that, the UN has not said that they have evidence enough to claim that it happened. And that infuriates the Zionists. But while that's happening, guess what? There's 
endless amounts of evidence that they're sexually assaulting women in their prisons, as well as young boys. It's been covered for 20 years. But God forbid we acknowledge this about the science entity. So finally it comes out and they admit it. UN experts appalled by reported human rights violations against Palestinian women and girls. And the point is, there's evidence around this. And here's even an Amnesty International report that we've broken down before. Horrifying case. This is from November 8th, 2023. Horrifying cases of torture and degrading treatment. And you, there, you go, you read the document, you read the report, it involves sexual manipulation. It's, it's like an open secret, like the rest of this stuff. So here he is telling you that. Here's the UN posting this February 19th. Here's his platform. Statements of UN experts on Israeli violations against Palestinian women and girls. Here's Adam posting that this is another report. Just want to show him because that's where I found it. This is disgusting, but unsurprising. Displaced Israeli settlers. So first we're talking about what's happening to Gaza, to, to Palestinians being arrested, right? Well, guess what? And this is the point about the kind of ideology leading these people. This is a report about Israelis raping Israelis in their temporary settlements because they've left the other settlements. It's, it's corporate. This is YNET. It's large Israeli media. Incidents in indecent acts on children aged four to seven at a hotel for evacuees. This is the suspect who was arrested. This guy here, he was some Israeli leader. You know, the point is children, because they've left the settlements because of Hamas actions and are in these, they evacuate them over here in the hotels. You know, again, quite a bit different than being pushed down the street and bombed at the same time. But And then they get raped by Israelis. It's not a unique story, guys. That's what's so disgusting about it. As he posts this too, several cases of sexual and domestic violence reported at hotels. Haaretz covering it. But there, I think it was something like one in three people in the IDF, women get sexually abused. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. There it is. A third of Israeli female soldiers were sexually harassed in 2021. That's up from one in six, like the year before. <laughs> it obviously has been increasing. That says something. Now, here is a another report. Shocking rape incidents and sexual violence in Israeli hotels revealed by Hebrew newspaper. Same, same story, just following up on it. Then another day later, elderly Israeli settler detained for alleged sexual assault on three children. And then Ahmed follows up in regard to the UN statements, right? So the UN speaks up and says on the 19th, this is damning. There's problems here. We need to address this. And this investigation by this person shows that only four Western media outlets covered this recent report. Yet they're, they'll happily tow allegations with nothing behind them that Israel states. But you have the UN body come out and say, this is damning. There's evidence behind this. And nobody covers that. Only a few of these outlets and not the big ones you'd expect? Yes. Think about how crazy that is. Prominent outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Guardian, all of them did not publish. I mean, come on. That's clear to me. And just one more point about the other side of this. This is, the squirrel points out, one of the three authors of the recent New York Times mass rape atrocity propaganda hoax, which by the way was a report that was just recycling the same things I keep telling you that. This person was Anat Schwartz. She liked this post, which you could see, you could look up for yourself. It's still public. She liked this post, which was calling for Gaza to be turned into a slaughterhouse. That exact word was used. This is the person that New York Times hired to write about Palestinians and frame them as subhuman monsters. Surprise, surprise. She's the one framing these allegations as credible. Surprise, surprise. 
Now, let's move on to this interesting story from Haaretz. How Israel turned Nazi war criminals into Mossad agents. <laughs> what do you know? Comes full circle, doesn't it? Newly declassified files, this is Haaretz, Israeli media, shed light on Israel's decision to overcome its sense of unease. You know, a little squeamish about working with Nazis, hardly. The point is that they the, the, the data shows, and of course, this is Haaretz framing it as some unique, weird dynamic. It's not. I mean, the history shows you this was a common reality of Zionists sidling up next to anybody that was extremist, it seems, specifically Nazis. And they took these Nazi war criminals and made them into Mossad agents. Well, you know what that overlaps with? You should remember the very foundational part of what is happening in Ukraine. Not just Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. And of course, this is the part that Laura Loomer just can't seem to piece together. I wonder why. Can't put the Zionist asset. I actually think that entire weird discovery of the story that even people like Alex Rubenstein has been covering long before I have very clearly that she broke the news about all these pieces that we put together was intentionally about boxing out the Israel part of this conversation, which by the way, is the entire conversation. The point is, here's the document as I've gone over. If you really want this conversation, which deserves a lot of time, watch this episode. It's important, but here's the document. Now this is the documents from 1966, but this talks about the origins of project aerodynamic going back to 1948 and the reality of a person called Mr. Mykola Lebed, who was a Nazi war criminal, like literally a Nazi who was arrested in Poland, who was rescued by the United States and put in charge of a propaganda platform called Prologue. It was a media group. Think about how crazy that is, that the government who just got done defeating the bad Nazis, right, took him, put him in charge of propagandizing media, news media in New York, and in Ukraine. Now, the reason it was in U Ukraine as well was because they wanted to use him to undermine the Soviet Union. So they took his, him and the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, an openly fascist organization, and they used them to create what became the foundation for what is today what they are. They, specifically the Azov movement, but also the right sector and these different neo-Nazi extremist fascist elements. That's been funded, stoked, and fanned the flames by the United States, the CIA, and Israel. And this is the whole point about what we continue to show you for a long time now. And then these pieces fall better into place, right? This is from 2018. Rights groups demand Israel stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Well, it doesn't make much sense until you understand the history we, are, we already went over, the direct ties to the very Nazi organizations from Zionism, but the fact that they've continued to line themselves with these different elements. And the, the point was that was specifically the Azov movement. And people were going, why are you arming Nazis? And it makes sense when you understand the bigger picture. Because this is not Jewish organ. This is not Jews or, or arming Nazis. This is Zionism continuing to align itself with the same people that have aligned. I mean, you could argue even more so that there's a connection directly to this kind of ideology right inside their group based on what they've worked with over these all this time. But let's not forget in regard to the overlap to Israel as well, before we get into the Azov movement, that you can prove this stuff. Kolomoisky, for example, who was the head of the Jewish Congress at one point, literally was the chief financier of the Azov movement and also the chief backer of Zelensky's campaign. And he also, Kolomoisky, was also the 
CEO, I believe, or at least in control of the One Plus One Media Group, which is where Zelensky was working before he became president. And then all the people that he worked with on these TV shows literally became his cabinet. I've said that that's such a provable fact, and it sounds ridiculous. It's true. Because we're all being lied to. It's such a wag-the-dog situation. I mean, they're real people. But you have to see how all this connects, that they're literally continuing to see the very elements. Now, look, you could look at this one of two ways, and this is important right now before we get into the latter part of this. You could either look at this as them continuing to create the very elements they point at to justify why the state of Israel is needed, even though when you realize they align themselves with these people while it was being created, and that undermines the very purpose of it. The point is you could either say it's about that, creating it to keep you thinking that we need the state of Israel, or some other element of this is about creating the, the dangerous elements they use to justify other actions around the world. Either way, it's about maintaining their control over things. I mean, you can't deny this. They're arming these very groups. That's provable. Even Israelis spoke up and said, why are you continuing to do that? Here's the proof, again, about them taking these things from Nazis to use them as Mossad agents, which have later come to play. And I'll show you that in a minute, specifically about the ADL. That's an actually a really important part of all this, where the ADL is literally caught faking Nazi marches, which, again, will come back into play around the uh, Patriot Front conversation, wherever that clip is here. Here we go. So. First, there's a clip, uh, a post from Parapolitik saying Nazis in my Hasbara, more likely than you think. It's pretty interesting, actually. Check this out. I hadn't seen this one. This is Mossad. This is the Mossad official account on Twitter saying, what's he holding? But the point is about his interesting patch. This is an Israeli Mossad or an Israeli, you know, IDF or whatever, special forces, Mossad posting it. Well, the point they make is this is, you know, they say, have you seen this one before? And that's where we get into the other image, which will be very interesting. But, you know, the point is it simply overlaps with these same wolf's angel kind of symbols, right? The, the direct history and the tie, both the ties to the Azov movement, which wear these patches, that's the one they wear right here, as well as the connection to Nazism are, are obvious. So that's where that becomes more interesting. But here's where I find most interesting is this person follows up and says the photo, this photo which somebody posted online. I wasn't able to find it until this person posted the link. So thank you, Moss Robeson. This photo was allegedly taken at an IDF training base. There's even a swastika in the center of the tattoo. So check this out. First of all, this is a, uh, uh, shoot, uh, Black Sun, which is a Nazi symbol. And if you look closely, there is an, there's a swastika in the, on the elbow. Let me do this, actually. I can get even closer. Either way, the point is about this, the actual uh, uh, black sun. But there's a swastika right on the little elbow there. Before we go into this, just pointing out the images in the, in the room, they actually show the, the link to this. Oh, here, and here, by the way, so here's the link before Reddit decided it needed to be deleted. Interesting. Showing it on the IDF. It's on the IDF Reddit page saying this is Mikov Alon, which I haven't taken time to look into in depth just yet. There's a lot going on. I had a lot I was trying to organize today. Here's the actual post. Now it's been deleted by the moderators. Of course. Of course it is. Weirdly enough, by the way, I don't know why I'm... Maybe it's just uh, brave. I'm never able to scroll down on Reddit. On I don't know why. It's the strangest thing. Let me grab this real quick. I have it up on another window. I just want you to see this uh, discussion. Let me grab the other window real quick. There we go. 
So here is this conversation. Just wanted you to see two things. So for this one first, this is the main one saying this submission has been removed for, you know, whatever re- argument they claim it violated some, some rule, but you didn't ask the question the right way. I hate Reddit. But the point was, it says, is this legal that this kind of tattoos in the IDF? And, you know, the point is, that, just so it's clear, this is a real post on the IDF platform. And the, the what they're saying is that it wasn't that it was some kind of, the point was they say, well, you must write a negative or critical comment. Please attempt to write it in a way that's constructive. So all they're saying is the person who posted this didn't construct their statement in the right way. They're not even taking issue. So I think very clearly about keeping this off the platform, like, because it's important, it's real. <laughs> but here's the post that says, the picture was made by my friend, not me. And it says, how common do you think these are, these alt-right Nazi tattoos and are? And it says, I've never seen something like this before, although there is a lot of Russians in Israel and you know, blah, blah, blah. The point is, this is a statement or post that was made by somebody in the IDF on the IDF Reddit page. And it, the Reddit moderators are the ones that took this down. I find that to be very, very interesting. So back to this. So we have these ones I already showed you. Okay, so here's the other, the main point here. Before I go further, this is important for the next part we get into was just to remember, right? So we have should have deleted it. Let's <laughs> close them all. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. So we have IDF members literally in class in whatever IDF classroom. That's what they're supposed to be about. It's like IDF training with a black sun on their elbow with a Nazi symbol in the middle of it, fighting for the IDF. Like, again, that wouldn't make any sense to you if you hadn't already heard what we talked about today, right? And it's already being sort of suppressed by Reddit. We know that they've been arming the very neo-Nazi elements that they've created over the years with the same origin. And all Moss goes on to point out is it's interesting that the IDF training base appears to have the same chairs and floors, which is the place they were just referencing, right? That's the, oh, so that's the location. So there you go, right? So it's pretty clear this is legitimate. On top of the fact that you don't need much to sell you on when you realize that this is not a direct connection to what what the history shows. But here's another interesting point. We keep showing you that in Ukraine, you know, the the elements that have been funded by Israel that tie all the way back to very clear origins there. An even bigger point to make is the actual interesting tie back to Ukraine, to the origins of Zionism. One of these founding elements of Zionism was literally, I'll show you this next, from Ukraine. And the point is that this is, this is kind of like the origin of this. So it's not hard to see that connection. But the point here is that you've seen these symbols already. You've seen this sun be a prominent element of what happened in, in, in Ukraine on the Azov movement. You got an IDF member with it on his elbow. And here you have a Buffalo shooter who's being seated in the United States. Go like, shoot. I mean, you, this is my point about what Zionism is doing, in my opinion, to be clear. This is about the same thing with the border we have to consider. These are actions being taken, seeded into this country to execute some kind of agenda. You have to realize the overlap here. And we can see this in Ukraine is my same point. That is an element that's been used there for for one, I think, to come back to these articles I've I've posted about it. I'm about to get to anyway. There it is. Well, anyway, you know, it's about the idea of January 6th or any number of elements where they were going to use these ideas to justify the argument that we were working with some foreign element, blame it on Russia, even though this is being seeded by the outside powers. If you want to learn more on that, watch these episodes. But overall, 
that whatever we're dealing with here is clearly being guided, orchestrated, driven in some way by the very people that we're discussing. And I've seen things like this that make me very concerned. Like, remember this, this guy had this, the sun on him more than, well, this is the New Zealand shooter. First of all, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't forget that. Same sun symbol on his backpack, same weird white writing we keep seeing repeated. Why does that make sense? In the writing in the same way? And it was all about the same kind of ideology. And it's the same symbol you saw on the Buffalo shooter. We keep seeing this repeat. The point is, this just happened. I haven't got a chance to talk about it. But the Lakewood shooter, AR-15, had Palestine sticker. The same kind of anti-Semitic writings on the gun. I'm just starting to wonder how, you know, this is very suspicious to me. Why does this keep, I think there's, I think we're seeing the same kind of things I keep showing you, like the Iraq conversation and actually what we're going to get into next. The setting up of events like this to justify the actions that they want to take. Now, remember this. This goes all the way back to the Azov Italian tie to Charlottesville. Let's not forget, if we can remember that the Azov movement is being funded and driven by both the United States and Israel, it is a clear agenda to just to point out, and it was, again, I, I kind of see this is kind of why I should have organized this differently. We're going to get into the point about how the ADL faked a hate march to justify its presence. So that's what we have to think about is how these things are being used, right? So in this case, talking about how the Azov movement seeded this concept with the rise above movement in the United States in Charlottesville, which Israel then points at and says, see, there's anti-Semitism everywhere. And we're all, you know, that that's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Azov movement is literally works with the American rise above movement. It's on the record. I've all these shows I've gone through in depth that the rise above movement, which is literally what you're staring at right there. The ones marching through Charlottesville, they will not replace us, which started this whole conversation is quite literally on the record, the U.S. arm of the Azov movement. It's very simple. It's provable. They've stated this publicly. That may not mean anything until you realize the Azov movement is funded by Israel. The Azov movement is clearly not what they appear to be. They are obviously a proxy element that's been used. So if they're the ones doing that and you can tie the Azov movement directly to the CIA, it's not very difficult to see how this is being used against you. And January 6th was, as I wrote, always a very clear government operation. And as you can see here, Mr. Uh, what was it? Uh, Sergei Dominion. He's an, and again, if you want more on the show, watch it for yourself. These aren't just secondhand points I'm highlighting because of an image. I've gone through these in depth. He is a member of the Azov movement. He is Ukrainian. Here he is pictured next to Jake Chansley. He literally is caught in this video. You can see it screaming, let's go, go, let's go into the building in Russian. Now, why would a Ukrainian from the Azov movement be in this discussion in on the ground of January 6th, yelling things in Russian, unless there was something else they wanted you to think. And even then they tried to tell you Russia and Putin, they were doing this. They are the ones that caused this. Remember? And we also had Antifa and the rest of them driving this, that nobody points at. There's, there's, there's very clear overlaps to this stuff. Now, this one, I'm just actually just for time, I'm going to skip past, but Daniel McAdams points out they were the first to basically break this information. Here's the link itself. But the clip is simple saying before, days before the Euro Maiden protest started, a deputy denounces in the Ukrainian parliament announced denounces that the United States is preparing a civil war in Ukraine and that alleged NGOs are organizing a coup from inside the U S embassy in Kiev. And then that's exactly what happened. Simple because this is what, this is the reality. Now, this is where we get into the point about the overlap of the current elements we're seeing. Azov movement is still happening, but that conversation has largely been eclipsed 
but we've seen some weird merges, haven't we? The I think it's right here. Where are these? These weird Patriot Front marches right in Nashville, right next to me, right? Patriot Front, the January 6th, and the Vanilla ISIS PSYOP. So let's talk about the Patriot Front and the question about whether or not this is another example of the Zionist entities creating the reasons that they claim justify their existence, if that's what you believe this is. So the important article to read. First, let's watch a clip from the 90s where he discusses something that I'll literally prove to you with source material after you hear his statement. The ADL was caught faking Nazi marches. Same thing I think is happening today. You may remember in February 1979, there was a big uproar because someone by the name of James Gutman applied for a permit to lead a march of Nazis through downtown Philadelphia. Now, eventually, some enterprising reporters did an investigation. You know what they turned up? James Gutman was none other than Mordecai Levy, who worked with the Anti-Defamation League and later split off that to form the terrorist Jewish Defense League. This was an operation that was run by the ADL. They wanted to have a Nazi march in Philadelphia. Why? Because how can they raise money to justify their existence if American Jews don't think there's a lot of anti-Semitism? So what better thing to do than to slap swastikas on a couple of people, leave them on a march through town, and then the next day, the ADL comes marching in and says, look, there are Nazis on the streets. You need to give us money so we can protect you. And then, on top of that, have a tax-exempt status. This was not a one-time operation. So, oops, jumped ahead a little bit. This was from Biological Medicine. She posted this on, R- on Rumble anyway. So let's talk about that. Right? Is there any merit to those allegations? Well, first of all, this is on the Jewish Telegraphic Agency talking about this discussion and doesn't mention, doesn't get into the Mordecai Levy point, right? But let's see what this has to say. Nazi march turns out to be hoax. So this was just the public conversation before you even getting into the overlap of how it might have been a like action from somebody f- pretending to be somebody else. It simply says a series of events suggesting a hoax against the local Jewish community came to an abrupt end last Friday morning in federal court when U.S. District Court Judge Clifford Green ordered withdrawal of a permit for a march, February 25th, by a mysterious individual identifying himself as the leader of a Nazi party. The National Park Service, which had issued the permit for the march at Independence Mall to a James Gutman on February 20th, followed through on Green's orders by canceling the permit, largely because they claimed they tried to reach out and he wasn't available, like they couldn't, they tried to, Find out more information. It says, I think I think I might say it right here. Officials said Gutman had listed. Uh, either way, the point was it didn't happen. They revoked it because they, you know, he doesn't seem to be the person they thought he was. Officials said Gutman had listed a P.O. box as his address. And the name, interestingly enough, of a Frank Collin, leader of a Nazi group in Chicago, which is relevant for the next point, obtained worldwide publicity last year when he announced plans to stage a march in Skokie, Illinois, and switched it to a rally in Chicago. Colin was reported to have said he never heard of Gorman and that there was no Nazi party in Philadelphia. So just f- for this point, you'll see where this is relevant next. Realize, first of all, as, as he told you in the other video, James Gutman is actually Mordecai Levy. What this article is finding out is that the, the, the official, the investigation found that the P.O. box 
that Gutman, who was actually Mordecai Levy, was using, was also used by a person called Frank Collin, who, interestingly enough, was also pretending to be a Nazi leader, who also tried to carry one out in Skokie, Illinois, which next we'll talk about. But down here it says, the shadowy alleged Nazi may be an individual using a student identification card lost by a Belgian music student, Michael Gutman, who lived in New York, which doesn't seem to be the case. But the point is, we could figure out who he was. The, sus the information seems to suggest that he's lying about who he is, but that's why it ultimately got pulled back because we don't, you know, we're being tricked, whatever. So that, that's the public sentiment. You know, even the court, the narrative is that this was, you know, fishy about who he really was. Before we get into the truth, the New York Times proving to you that his name is Mordecai Levy in a very different way. This was an article on June 22nd, 2018. Interestingly enough, pointing back to the Charlottesville 2017 march in the context of Nazis. Isn't that interesting? Even though it technically was a neo-Nazi element of the Azov movement arm, which is funded by Israel, which is the whole same point. This is what it says. Skokie, Illinois. It's saying the legacy of the would-be Nazi march. It says, but while the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, just make sure that's what we're talking about, says which was one woman dead, which left one woman dead, maybe the most recent example of such hate, it wasn't the first time neo-Nazis came in force in America. It says 40 years ago, in the Chicago suburb of Skokie, Illinois, a planned, or is it, yeah, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, Skokie, Illinois, that's right. A planned Nazi march through a town full of Holocaust survivors. Interesting choice, right? Led to a years-long battle over religious liberties and the strength of the Constitution. So this is where always the classical arguments from the government to come from as well. You know, because technically you're right. They have the constitutional right to express their, the march and speak their opinion. It's First Amendment, right? It is, even today. Just, I'm going to make a point about that again in a minute where I think it's provable that the U.S. government is using that as an illusion. But the point, first of all, again, remember that we're talking about James Gutman, right? Who's not, that's not his real name. His real name is Mordecai Levy, who also just turned out to be using a P.O. box who happened to have also been historically before this used by a Frank Collin, who interestingly was also a leader, at least stated publicly, of a Nazi group who tried to march through Skokie, Illinois. This is the same story. Separate points, both tie back to the same P.O. box used by James Gutman or Frank Collin, who both are Mordecai Levy, okay? And the point is that this is the story that, you know, your corporate media with their garbage research are just going, oh, yeah, Nazi's bad, and here's a story about the bad guy who tried to do it here and over here. But guess what? It's not who he is. Obviously, because there's two different names using the same P.O. box, right? Both of them pretending to be Nazi march leaders, both of them pretending to be Nazi leaders, both of them trying to create chaos to make public, very clear statements, marching right through Holocaust survivors. I mean, there's a reason that's the point, right? Get this. Here's New York Times in their archive from 1979. February 23rd, Philadelphia. The National Park Service today, so this is the one, the one story in Philadelphia, withdrew the permit granted for a Nazi rally at Independence Mall. Same point. It says the permit was withdrawn when the man who received it identified as James Gutman, could not be found to testify. That was the point I was saying before, right? Because they had issues about it. They revoked it. Here's what the New York Times found. Court testimony yesterday suggested that the man identified as James Gutman may have been using a stolen identification card when he sought the permit. The Philadelphia police said that another man identified as Mordecai Levy had once been arrested in New York using that information card. That's not too hard to put together, guys. Mr. Levy had been associated, per the 
Philadelphia Police, the New York Times, with the Jewish Defense League. You see how interesting it is that these separate pieces of information can be put together and realized that you can suddenly you see the full picture. Mordecai Levy, who was a, who was working, who was part of the Jewish Defense League, which even at the time, even today, is regarded as extreme. Like the AD, that was like a spinoff of the of the ADL, which became like an actual like militia organization that carried out terrorist acts. The point is, Mordecai Levy, who's part of the Jewish Defense League, was pretending to be both. Where's the name? Oh, it's right here. Pretending to be both Frank Collin, but also. James Gutman, and connected through this P.O. box that he used both of them. And through the Skokie, Illinois attempts, you can see there, but also in, in Philadelphia. And here you can find that he, Mordecai Levy, was using the same identif- car, identity card for both. So it all got tied back to him. Very interesting. And it says, I'm very, and of course, the New York Times article writes, you know, cites one of the, the lawyers there who says, I'm very upset and angry at the attempts to jingle this around and blame Jews. Well, it turns out that it was a Jewish Defense League spy or whatever you want to call it, Mordecai Levy, who was pretending to be a Nazi to march and and point back at it and say, look at how much Nazis there are of anti-Semitism. That is the reality of at least this. How many things you think it connects to today? Here's another article. ADL provocateurs at work inciting Nazi rallies. February 1979, Michael... Uh, Mordecai Levy, a paid operative of Erwin Saul's ADL fact-finding division, used the alias James Gutman to obtain a rally permit from the National Park Police. Right? This is all very important stuff, and the reality is this is the ADL. Pretending, or rather creating what they point at as what justifies their presence. Here's Wikipedia. Here's Mordecai Levy. He's a U.S.-based political activist and founder of the Militant Jewish Defense Organization, a breakaway faction of the Jewish Defense League. Okay, so I one more removed step. ADL, Jewish Defense League, which became the Jewish Defense Organization, which was the, the militant element. David Tell of the Weekly Standard wrote that the group is, quote, located at the farthest shadowy margins of American public life. Think about that. Levy has organized a paramilitary training camp located in New York. Named after, interesting, where where was, oh, that's right. McCola LeBed was set up in New York. Interesting, right? Think about the different overlaps of New York City and how much that ties together. But the reality being that this seems to be a a common thread. This is after the revisionist Zionist leader, Vladimir Jabotinsky. He's named after him, and there's connections with him directly tying back to the work they're doing. And he says, Levy first came to public attention after he was arrested in 1981 on a charge of firebombing a Nigerian diplomat's car. Like, this is not hard to wrap your mind around, guys. And and you can look further down here, right, where it gets into, you know, he's arrested. He was charged with four counts of attempted murder at the charges. I mean, this is a guy who literally is a prominent element at this time in the United States. And to show you the next guy, Jabotinsky. It was a revisionist Zionist leader, right? Showing you that all of this ties back to the origins of Zionism. Later, he established several Jewish organizations, including the militant organization Ergun, which is, again, the extremist elements that go back to the beginning. And then the point here was he was born in Odessa or modern Ukraine. The Zionist aspect goes back to that in a very interesting way. Lastly, oh, actually, I don't think uh, this one wasn't something, I forgot I was just going to close this one. Oh, no, this was it. Yeah, this is um, 1991. 
So this brings it all the way forward to show you this person was continuing these actions. The leader of the militant Jewish defense organization, Mordecai Levy, has been released from jail on $35,000 bail pending appeal of his conviction on an assault charge stemming from a shooting two years ago from New York's Greenwich Village. Apparently, he tried to shoot somebody out of his window because they it was some basically he was calling him out like this was the divide between the extreme zionist elements and the people that are otherwise involved with israel or rather specifically the jewish defense league and and tried to shoot him because the point is these people were extreme they were crazy and they seemingly won out here's another one this is from the new york times as well head of jewish group was arrested in murder case can you guess who we're talking about jewish defense league it's just amazing and again bringing this all the way back to the beginning or the point you can prove this guy who works for these groups that every countless sources right back to the very leagues we're ta- group we're talking about who was caught faking a Nazi march in two locations. Now, what do you think about these today? Doesn't that change your perception a little bit about what this might be? On the, on the, the weird, same exact clothing and like... And if you listen to what they're actually saying, like it's, I mean, if you literally wrote down what you thought Israel would pretend to be as Nazi, I mean, it's just, it's comical. These people are ridiculous. I mean, and there's a countless examples that prove to you that these are not who you think they are. Now here was a, something I already covered actually, I think in this episode, the Azov Patriot Front agenda. Here's just one of the different things. Make sure you watch the whole thing. Basically this thread talking about, it's not just that these people are feds. Right, it's much deeper than that. They point out this goes much deeper with ties from the Azov and Ukraine. Right now, of course, I mean, I think these, I think this group might even actually tag something we did in here. I forget. Either way, the point is this goes over stuff that we've already broke down. The reality that these groups tie directly back to the elements, and I've tied these directly. I think it was the uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking on his name off the top of my head. Boneface was one of them, and there was another guy. That these people, these these elements, I've directly tied back to people that leadership elements of the Azov movement and tangential groups, which is funded and 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 seeded by the CIA and Israel. So it's not hard to tie this right back into the organization. And then they all dress in this weirdly uniform way and just different colors at different times. I mean, it's really bad. And then just for an added point, in case you didn't know, the U.S. government in the U.K. specifically at least three times that I can tell, have voted publicly to not combat or denounce Nazism. Just make sense of that. This is the United Nations Digital Library. 2014, combating the glorification of Nazism, neo-Nazism, and other practices that contribute to fueling contemporary forms of racism, radical discrimination, xenophobia, and related intolerance. Well, seeing as how the UN's already deemed Zionism as a racist ideology, it's kind of funny they would even, but the point would be that they put this out there Obviously, you're going to think everyone's going to go, well, absolutely, right? Isn't this what the U.S. screams they're trying to do around the world? It's sort of like when they say, we want a ceasefire and then veto a ceasefire. You wonder whether they're being dishonest, don't you? <laughs> well, either way, the point is, there's some pretty prominent no's in here. Won't surprise you, though. Here's Canada voting no on combating the glorification of Nazism. Not shocking as they just brought a Nazi into their parliament and said, hooray, and cheered him, right? And said, oops, we made a mistake. Palu is one of them, but then obviously Ukraine, shocking, and the United States. No big surprise there. Let's go forward. 2016, the U.S. votes against an anti-Nazi resolution at the U.N. 
at the UN. So realizing this one's the UN too, so is this one. But at even at the US level, which I didn't include, there's been at least one example in the United States where they've done something like this, where they voted no. Like m- almost everybody. Here's another one. This one's from 2023. The US and the UK oppose another anti-Nazi resolution. I mean, you just can't make this up. It's as of it's so insultingly obvious. Now it looks like we passed uh Three hours, so I'm going to try to wrap up for the most part. I had a lot to show at the end here, I think, but I'm just going to rattle this last part off. Just so I, just to make it clear, the last two we're going to go over are, it's it's modern examples that are prominent and obvious. So, so is the House of Movement for that matter. But just to make this clear, you have to realize if you, these are elements that are clearly leaning into, just like the U.S. government, guys, the worst people in the world. The worst of the worst. This is what I, the, the, Dave Smith was the one that said this in his debate, which I think is important. That, and it's simply the truth. I mean, I've been saying, the reason I say that is because I'm saying it just the way he said it, just worthy, worthy giving the shout out. But I've made this sentiment many times over the years that the U.S. and Israel have funded the most radical elements of Islam as far back as you want to look. They are literally funding the worst parts of this while pretending they're fighting it. Why? Well, because the moderate elements that that might be more willing to work, you know, the moderate, the modern Western society or whatever you want to frame it as don't want to bend over and accept whatever the U S and Israel take from them. So they find the worst people and say, we'll let you rule if you do what we want and then claim that they're, I mean, it's just so insulting to your intelligence. And here's a perfect point. Remember, I keep making the point about the Sudan, right? Where they, and it's not even about whether or not you think the Sudan or the specific elements within it are terrorists. It's about the fact that the U S made that point, Right. The Sudanese military or whatever, their fashion, their group, their militia groups, they're all terrorists. Really, the point was the Sudan, Sudanese government. They, they deemed them terrorists, remember? State-backed sponsors of terrorism, right? Now, nothing changed. That's not to say whether they are or not. The point is that it was exactly the, the same circumstance. And they said, well, if you just agree to normalize with Israel, we'll just take you off that list. And it's like, how dumb is that? So either you were never really meaning they were terrorists or they are and you don't care as long as they work with Israel. Okay, well, you guys are ridiculous. So my point is, that's what happened. They don't care one way or the other as long as you're on their side showing you that they're bad people. But here's an example. Kenneth Roth shared this yesterday. And I've been I'm reporting on this last month or so and a couple of different times. The UN report on Sudan finds that, quote, again, a good example of provable examples of rape and, and sexual manipulation that 118 people have been subjected to sexual violence, including rape, with many of the assaults committed by members of their paramilitary forces, which, by the way, not surprisingly, are backed by the United Arab Emirates. Same kind of coordinate, same grouping we're talking about here. This is backed by Israel, the United States, because they're not talking about it, they don't care. Why? Well, because they've already aligned themselves. So this doesn't matter. Now, if they were adversarial, which I'm sure that will change, to Israel, well, this would be a big deal. You can't allow that. So it only matters when they're not on your side, right? And I've already written about this. Or we T-Lab, excuse me, Robert wrote about this. The U.S. is heavily involved in Sudan's renewal, renewed turmoil. Western media ignores this. Now, we've talked about this. He does a great job of breaking down the actual dynamics of why this is happening and why it's abundantly clear the U.S. government is siding with whoever they will get what they want from, allowing people to suffer like everywhere else. So the point is, while this is happening, they don't care. And why is it happening? Well, because these are the elements that they they agreed to align with Israel. So they look the other way. That is the only dynamic, the only 
you, you will see that common thread through the people that they work with. Sudan announces normalization with Israel in 2020, right? And now they don't care. Well, what about ISIS? What an obvious example, right? What an unbelievably obvious example to end this overall segment to realize that it doesn't really matter. Like, you, the, what's even funnier is how you're saying, Hamas, they're ISIS, they're Nazis, or whatever, or just lob whatever name, even though those two things don't make sense together. Well, lob it at them. As long as you think they're bad, right? Israeli website claims ISIS commander was revealed as Mossad agent. It's Whitney Webb, 2017. It's the reality. There's, there's countless examples of this over and over and over, but we don't get to hear this because the corporate media who sides with this agenda ignores it. Here's a clip. Oh, actually, let me make sure I didn't, oh, I didn't, I forgot to download it. This is a, an, an interrogation. Again, so for that very purpose, take it with a grain of salt, just like I would say in any other circumstance, of a commander for ISIS who's captured in Libya who admits to being a Mossad agent. One of many examples. If I can find it again, hold on. I always do this when I download it on the fly. There you go. Allah, is my Was my in Libya? Muhammad. Muhammad Yasser Abu Ala. Jinsitak? Suriya. Diantak? Yahudiya. Amalak? Mulazam Awal Musa. Amalak? Mulazam Awal Musa. Amta Jinnit Fil Musa. Samta Al-Fanut Nay Al-Fanut. Amta Dakhati Libya. Fi Amal Fanut Nash. 2012. Yeah, you could definitely consider that that might be coerced. Always, because that's an honest way to look at that. But all of the other evidence makes it seem a little bit more obvious, right? Or how about this obvious post that we've all talked about? Israel providing direct aid to, at the time, Syrian rebels, which we all know were the worst of the worst terrorists that were armed by the U.S. and everybody else. Brought in through Turkey, or through uh, Libya and Turkey. We've talked about this whole rat line of all these terrorists. I mean, it's horrifying to watch how obvious this, obvious this is. How it's been proven every which way. And yet some people still pretend like they were siding with, I mean, this is an example of what we just said. This is siding with the worst of the worst because you don't like who's currently in power. The Syrian rebels were not the moderate elements here, guys. They were the worst. And they're still doing that to this very day. Israel's tending to wounded Syrian rebels. Right? I mean, there's, it's, there's all sorts of examples. <clears throat> here is another Haaretz report. Trump revealed Israeli commando and Mossad operation in Syria to Russians. Now, this remember this point where they were all upset because Trump clumsily revealed this? Well, the point was, what he accidentally disclosed, or however that worked out, maybe it was intentional, was an undercover Israeli mission to penetrate the Islamic State. Now, is that what was, was it an accident? My point was that this is showing you that Israel is actually involved. You know, you could say it was some, F some secret to expose that. Expose what? Why would you need to penetrate the state? The point was, this was them immersing themselves with it, and it just got exposed. You could prove this a thousand different ways. Like this, for example, or the clip showing you the overlap, The where you are, this is C-SPAN, right? That the Israeli, their actual name for their, the Mossad or Secret Services is the Israeli Secret Intelligence Services, which stands for ISIS. 
You could argue that's just a coincidence, but you know, these things begin to add up. Or the fact that I pointed out in general that right when this all right in the midst of all this, all of a sudden ISIS bombs Iran, which makes literally no sense. The point is, aren't you the one telling us ISIS Iran is the leading state sponsor of terrorism? That every time I bring up they're fighting ISIS or fought them in Syria, you go, you're crazy. And then literally ISIS bombs Iran. I just I don't even know if that's real or not. The point is, every time at the peak of hostile rhetoric. Weird how ISIS bombs the Israeli enemies. Well, let's also not forget, guys, that we just exposed a Mossad element being caught on the border. I keep pointing this out. Where are all the right-wing people that were screaming about the Azerbaijani terrorists they caught? Weird how they just stopped following up on that. Do you wonder why? Because he wasn't an Azerbaijani terrorist. He was clearly a Mossad, somebody who was recruiting for Mossad, who was arrested in Egypt. That's the reality. He's a Jordanian, I believe, if I remember correctly. And he was arrested for like a decade or more. And the, po- the post they were showing, this guy on the right, this guy at the border, aren't the same person. This guy who they're claiming he was, he's like 20 years older now, today. And you can see, he doesn't look like this guy. This guy looks exactly like, and is the guy we talked about. And it's weird, the moment that got exposed to all these people screaming about how terrorists were coming to the border, we actually find, well, it's Mossad, so we'll all shut up about it. Now, I don't know if that's right-wing media, knowing they're not supposed to talk about that, or that they just only follow what what they're told to. I don't know, guys, but that's crazy to me. I haven't seen any follow-up on that. And... It's pretty obvious to me that these Israeli propagandists, these Zionist manipulators, are desperately trying to see this into the right-wing media. Many of them are happily taking the bait. Dr. Eli David says so many people from Hamas supporting countries are entering the U.S. Okay, so there's obviously Hamas supporting countries. (laughs) What is that supposed to mean? Like everybody in an entire country, oh, they're Hamas and they're not. Like how these people are nothing but broad stroke, bigoted people. It's so blatant on the surface. So you're telling me is is Hamas, is is the United States a Hamas supporting nation? There's plenty of people in this country that support their right of resistance. The point is he's trying to make it out to be all the evil Arab brown countries. Like these people are disgusting. But his point is so many of them are coming through the United States. So his point is also that if they even come from these countries, they're dangerous. Like, you just can't decouple these things. It's very obvious. What could possibly go wrong? Like, he's just not tactful at all. This guy thinks he's much smarter than he is, in my opinion, anyway. The point is that they're suggesting that because they come from any of these countries, which, by the way, mean literally anywhere in the Middle East, that they're all bad and dangerous, which, by the way, is what a lot of right-wing media are now saying. Here's one of these people saying, everything in green represents the same point. It's alarming to me. That they're trying to tell you that this group is going to be coming through your border and a lot of people are blindly lapping it up, falling right into the trap that's always been. You are falling into the Zionist manipulation to create the very justification that they'll use to act like they need to exist. And I'm talking about Zionist control, not that necess- not that Israelis don't deserve a place to be. Right. It's obvious. These things need to be decoupled. The way that they win this argument is by pretending that it's all the same thing. Now, Whitney Webb makes an excellent point which I believe we're going to be discussing. We were planning to discuss this, I think, uh, actually yesterday, I think. But there's some. she's got some stuff going on. I'm not sure if she wants that shared or not, so I, we kind of put it off. We do plan on doing our election special again, coming up soon. Either way, we will probably be talking about this. It's a great new article. Manufacturing Consent, The Border Fiasco and the Smart Wall. You know, as always, 
artfully seeing through the, e, the, 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 the illusion that two-party paradigm people fall for. She says, as outrage builds over the border crisis, Congress is using the real concerns to quietly advance the controversial smart wall as the implementation of digital borders picks up globally. And the reality being that this is something that Trump initiated. In and out, remember, both ways. How it works. But people don't want to hear it. As she also points out, Oh, actually, first, this was a, a post from Decentral, uh, Decentral News. Whitney Webb writes in her new piece, the disastrous situation at the U.S.-Mexico border is and has been intentionally produced. Quote, while the justifications for the frenzied media coverage are based on the actual reality that the border is indeed highly insecure and has been for some time, which I don't think anybody really disagrees with other than lying to themselves, the policy responses from American politicians reveal that there was a bipartisan consensus about what must be done which is never a good sign. Tellingly, the same situation is also being quietly rolled out at all American ports of entry that are not currently being, quote, overrun, such as airports. That solution, of course, is biometric surveillance enabled by artificial intelligence, facial recognition, biometrics, and autonomous devices. Exactly what we're all warning about. This was also advocated by anointed dissident media figures, in big quotes, like Brett Weinstein, Tucker Carlson. Right, so they're literally pushing the very thing that we're all warning you're walking into. But as long as you kind of shoehorn in Elon Musk or some kind of right-wing perspective, apparently the terrible things we're all worried about are good as long as it comes from them. It's amazing how partisan manipulations can win. But here's somebody else just simply pointing out this overlap, which I think is important to consider how they're framing this. I, it, they keep seeing these like suspicious Chinese people that don't have the right answers. Like it's, it's weirdly gross to me the way they're framing this with this complete subjective argument which I don't, I'm concerned about any China, Russia, anybody question at all, but to just lump, lump this onto one side where there's more than enough evidence to suggest that it's coming from a different angle, or even if it is people from the, you know, different countries from their ethnicity, that why couldn't we ask whether it's being driven from somewhere else? But they write, our military is hurting so badly for recruits. There's now a push to allow illegal immigrants to cross into the, the border to illegally join the military. Now I've heard these sentiments discussed I don't know how completely legitimate it will be or how it will, whether it'll pass. I doubt it. But either way, the point is to start this discussion. It's continually drive the wedge between anybody. See, now, you realize, I think right, the courage to serve act is the way they're framing this. Now, there's no way in the world this should make sense. It just, it's crazy to me, the idea that somebody can be like, and I'm not talking about just anybody who's here as a migrant. I'm talking about illegal immigrants. Somebody illegally comes into this country. Like meaning to not not getting waved in by some Biden administration. I'm talking about somebody who jumps the fence, legally does this. Because I mean, again, even if you argue those people are being allowed in by Biden, which means they're still illegal under your perception, that's not they they walked in because somebody told them to. <laughs> like you have to realize how that's a game being played. That's what his point. It's being manufactured. But either way, if you are somebody's technically breaking the law to get in, well, there's no no way they should be able to to vote. Or in any sense, by the way, if you're doing anything illegal in the context of coming from another country, but that you're going to join the military? Like, it just seems like a ridiculous concept. It doesn't even hold water, but it's being set, set forward to get you to react, in my opinion. But it's all about framing this in a certain way that the bad guy outside worry. Here's Instagram post, Chinese and the Middle Eastern immigrants, massive surge. You know, it's just like, it's creating the very xenophobic not mindset that, I mean, I think Kim Iris has made a point about. It's just constant everywhere. I, for one, have not seen enough evidence to actually feel like this is some consorted effort. You know who wants you to think that exact big flashing red alarm? Israel. 
100%. It's what they're screaming. It's what they're manufacturing, in many cases, completely without any merit. And then lastly, just in case you need more evidence, I'll include these yet again. Not, not statements or old past concept. This current provable human rights groups going there or committing war crimes, murdering entire families, torturing entire pe- entire families, mur- horrifying case of torture, detaining people that don't, you know, administrative detentions of children. Here's the, the story we just talked about, The Intercept. The IDF, it's been a verified story, sent somebody handcuffed into evacuate a hospital, then shot him on the way out. That's how they operate. And yes, it's an apartheid state per everybody that has any standing in the conversation. Amnesty, Human Rights Watch, apartheid, Israeli groups, the regime of Jewish supremacy from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is an Israeli group, is apartheid. And just rattling off these last points that I was going to take a lot more time on, but in general, just UNRWA pointing out, no one can claim they didn't know. This is as obvious as it's ever been, anything I've ever seen. They they know, and people are ignoring. I think I'll just go into this in another show, actually, because it deserves more attention. The point is that this is about children, and these are doctors, and this is, he's sitting next to Avi, Avi Shlam, I think it's Shlam. I think I'm saying it terribly now. I feel bad because I really respect this guy. I, was, I thought it was Shalom. Anyway, the point was, they're, test, they're reporting to you that they, they went there as a doctor and were basically only operating on women and babies. That's what he's talking about. You ju- I mean, the world is seeing this. It's just amazing that the, the, the leadership or the, the rulers are acting like it's not happening. I've never seen this before. And the sad reality is I will give more time is children are starving to death. They keep their people covering this all over the place. Children are coming and burned to the face. No morphine to give them children, literally dying in front of them with nothing to do. Imagine being there. You're filming this. You have nothing you can do. You literally don't have any formula. You don't have anything to help them with. They just literally starve to death in front of you. That's what you're looking at. And here's Elon Levy going, Hey, some, some fallen soldiers, are, they, their, their wives are pregnant, which is sad. Yeah. But to point that out in contrast to what, as Adam says, no, you're not the victim, man. Children are literally dying from starvation in full view of the entire world. This is just the beginning, guys. This is what we saw in Yemen, which nobody cared about. And it's still happening to some degree. Children are dying of starvation as we speak. And here is the Israeli media or Israeli military putting out videos of them driving over food in Gaza. I mean, what more do you need to see? What kind of person does that? Now, this is not even debatable. This was posted by an IDF channel where they are showing them rolling over food while they're starving to death. Multiple examples of it. I I mean, this is disgusting. UNRWA has suspended their efforts because they just can't do it now because of the, the funding. So now UNRWA has stopped. Here's the World World Food Program saying they're also having to stop because they won't they, they until it's safe for their people to bring the food in they can't do it anymore. I mean, come on, guys. The Zionists have gotten what they wanted. Only a matter of time now until they use the suffering that they have created to push in earnest for a mass displacement to Egypt or anywhere else. You realize? Do you think the World Food Program is Hamas? They're telling you that we can't deliver the food as Israel keeps saying. Go ahead, because they're getting shot at by who? By the IDF. They'll tell you that. The UN has been screaming about it. 
And you think it's because somebody else is trying to stop this from happening? Here's Philip Lazzarini. Philippe, how many more times will we remind you? There's no place that's safe. Famine is looming. Disease are rampant. Water is a trickle. Food has stopped. People are dying. But he's Hamas, right? Just over four months in Gaza, there have been more children, more journalists, and more medical personnel, and more UN staff killed than anywhere in the world during any conflict. I guess I said I was going to go, I will go over this again, just because it deserves to be going over again. But let's finish it. Canada is looking to play a role. Hey, good job. You woke up after five months. No, you guys recognize that you're losing control of the narrative. The point is, we're going to maybe airdrop some air, some aid. I heard that. I read that. And I thought, what in the world? I can't believe I haven't thought about that. If you ask yourself why nobody's airdropping aid, any of the people out there, anybody, probably because they'll be shot down, quite frankly, but that would show you what's really going on. Under the argument that they just can't get it through the fences and it's all Hamas in Egypt, well, then why doesn't somebody drop a huge amount of aid from the sky? Think about that. Doesn't that just make you sick? Canada's, we're here, we'll dispute whether we should do that while children starve to death. We'll figure it out. You're not the hero, Canada. You're wrong already. You've already been wrong. And the point here, John Cusack points out, while they're starving to death, here's ADF soldiers a few days ago having a rave. Literally raving and dancing. What are you dancing about? Like, seriously, guys, this is, what I, this is what he said. It's behavior that's too disconnected from reality to ignore. It appears psychotic. Children starving, humans under rubble. What's the celebration? That's a really good question. What are you actually celebrating right there? Like, you can argue that it's about just, you know, our self-determined, whatever. We're October 7th. We won't forget. The point is you're in the midst of literally murdering an entire civilization and you're having raves. You're literally having raves to block food for coming in. Here's Mads Gilbert pointing out satellite imagery from the 21st. Look at all of the aid backed up. Shows more than a thousand aid trucks waiting to enter. Most of them waiting inside the logistical zone being, point is, Israel is stopping that. There is literally nobody else stopping the aid from coming in. And here is Elon Levy every day coming in and going, hey, they won't let it in. Every day he's lying about this, shamelessly lying about it. According to the UN, Egypt, and pretty much everybody else, it is Israel making sure it does not enter. Which, by the way, starves your hostages too, likely by design. Hashtag Hannibal Directive. The point being, everything you need is in front of you. He says the consequences of donors freezing funding will not only impact our ability to respond to the humanitarian crisis, it will it'll impact activities in the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. But you see, that's the point. It's not just about Gaza. As we already showed you, they're pulling this into a regional war. They hate all of them because they're racist. They're bigoted. Talking about Zionists. And, of course, because they've labeled him Hamas, all these cowards in positions of power ignore it. Here, Zionists are setting up a jumpy castle. Picnics and popcorn and cotton candy as they prevent food from going into starving people. That's not a joke. Look at these dancing, celebrating. Do you not realize that this is stopping aid from going to their hostages? Or do they just not care? <sighs> Never in my life have I seen something like this. So we'll leave it there. I was really hoping this wouldn't be as long today, but we're going to try. I'll, I'm going to make sure this gets broken up in a couple of different pieces. I think there's some important stuff in here today. Please make some clips. Break up the parts you think are important. Share it out. Tag me. I'll retweet it. Mark my words. Get it out there. 
But that incentivizes you to make something out there. To, you know, it's, I think it's important that we break these things up and get it in front of as many people as possible. The information is just so overwhelmingly obvious. And I guarantee you, people will you know, just kind of skim, look at the image and, and assume that I've somehow lost the plot. The facts are all there for you. And, and it, just like many of, those, many of the other conversations, I will step out. I will strike out in this conversation because I know these facts are correct. And, you know, and eventually the conversation will catch up. And look, that's just, I, that's not because I'm, I mean, in a, yes, I'm demonstrating our value because I will do that for you. And I will continue to strike out into these contentious conversations when many of the people that are presenting themselves as the peak of what we're doing today will wait until it's comfortable to do it. I think that's important. Now is the time to understand this before it becomes folded into some new agenda, as always happens. Just find the courage to speak out about things that are contentious because you know that it's the right thing to do because we're watching a genocide play out, just like we can see in any of these examples. So overall, we need to realize there is an obvious connection between Zionism and Nazism going back as far as you want to look. There's an obvious connection to Zionism and a lot of different examples of extreme ideology, whether fascist or otherwise. To the current ideal uh, iterations of ISIS, Al Qaeda, Hayat al Sham, to groups like the Azov movement and the seeding of that into marches throughout this country, they could tie back to the ADL, faking them back to the Jewish Defense League. I mean, it all comes together in a very interesting, coordinated effort that I think we're beginning just now for the first time in, as far as I could tell, ever to see the strings, to see the lines, and how this all interconnects to something much darker than we even realize. So stand up, share the information. If you would like to continue to support this platform, all the links down below are, there are many different ways you can. We need your support because as you know, we will continue to get attacked and suppressed and censored like it appears Instagram did to us while we were live because this stuff is, is being suppressed. But you know, it shouldn't be just about that. It should be about the fact that you believe in what we're doing and how we're doing it. And generally, getting this information out there is all I truly care about. So thank you for having the courage to do that. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. To thank Israel. I'm serious. Before you get mad at me, you all need to thank Israel. Thank you, Israel. Not for killing over 4,000 Palestinian children in the last month. Not for indiscriminately bombing Gaza. And not even for subjecting Palestinians to more than 75 years of violence. But thank you for opening our eyes. I've always been pro-Palestine. My parents taught me to stand for what's right, but I got caught up in life and forgot what really matters. So thank you for reminding the world that every life is sacred, that in 2023, there is no space for settler colonialism. Thank you for showing the world that you openly, proudly, and consistently commit crimes against humanity and are happy subjecting the Palestinian people you haven't already killed or forced to flee to inhumane conditions. Because of you, the world is changing. The tables are turning and the side of Palestine and humanity is stronger than ever. Free Palestine.